Hello friends, this is Manuel Elia here, and I wanted to welcome you to the study of stuff. Before we get to my very first interview, I wanted to say a few words. The study of stuff is comprised of two segments. One, the album, which is part podcast, old school radio show, music album, variety show full of skits. Kind of think of it as Sesame Street, The Muppet Show, Frank Zappa, Tom Waits, Knuckle Bear, Monty Python, Alan Watts, George Carlin, of course, all mixed together in a blender. And then there's the second segment. That's the interview portion. That's where I interview public figures, authors, thinkers, artists, and so on and so forth. And we discuss many different types of subjects. Anything from geopolitics, physics, history, alt history, metaphysics, spirituality, philosophy, psychology, archaeology, conspiracy theory, the occult, etc. Visit my website, manoelia.com, to stay up to date with all things study of stuff. Now, lay back, sit back whatever you prefer, and listen to my interview with the great David Whitehead, the truth warrior. Now, David and myself, we have a great discussion. I really had a great time and honored to have been able to have David as my very first guest. Now, I am a little nervous. You'll notice that in the beginning, but it's okay. It's my first episode, but I think it turned out great. I learned quite a bit, and I hope you do too. Now, without further ado, here's my interview. My first interview! with the great David Whitehead. All right, and we are live. My dear friends, welcome to the Study of Stuff. This is the very, very, very first episode of uh, the podcast version of the, of the overall show, and where I interview individuals, public figures uh, around the world who kind of reflect the stuff I like to study, hence the name of the show, Study of Stuff. But uh, one of the big reasons why I started the study of stuff, this uh, interview segment, is for, uh, for the newbies out there. You know, I got a lot of requests from friends out there who um, were kind of entering the world of, let's call it uh, the alternative, and kind of need a little bit of guidance. So I tried my best to kind of t- send them to this podcast and read this book and so on and so forth. Um, bottom line is they wanted a little bit more, um, more guidance. So I thought I'd be, uh, I'd, I'd try to help out and I try to get individuals out there who are, um, knowledgeable in the areas that I'm going to be studying to have them give you a little bit of insight on how uh, you can kind of walk the plane, um, this, this plane of odd, odd information that's out there. Anyways, that was kind of sloppy as an intro, but it'll get better as I keep doing this. Don't you damn worry. My very first guest. You did good, man. Oh, thanks, dude. Thanks. My very, very, very first guest is David Whitehead. There he is, the truth warrior. Um, now, who is David Whitehead? Well, first, I want to start off by saying he's a father and a husband. I think we, I, we overlook that sometimes, how important that role is. And um, I can relate. I'm Thank also you. a father and husband. And uh, I think that's an extremely important role. So I would, I'm going to put that as your first, first achievement in life. <laughs> uh, he's also it's a martial artist. It Thank is. You. <laughs> it is. Uh, he's also a martial artist, a, podcast, uh, a podcaster, of course, a researcher in the, in the area of the fringe. He covers many, many topics from philosophy, history, geopolitics, consciousness, one of my favorites, why I got into the whole deal myself, ufology, archaeology. Um, he's, also, he's a host of his own podcast, The Truth Warrior, as well as the Unslaved podcast, which we might talk a little bit about. Uh, definitely, that's an institution. People need to know about that podcast. They need to know about both podcasts. I like how you kind of you break up how you uh, present the information, uh, both on your own and with Michael. Um, he's also um, he's been on many shows, Ancient Aliens, 
um, unexplained in search of monsters. <laughs> I remember that one. That, that was, was just for fun. We just did that one for fun. Yeah. <laughs> I really did like that though. Uh, and uh, Oak Island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the Knights Templar. Maybe we'll get to the Knights Templar. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Stuff. Um, but martial artist, I think that's an important thing to talk about being that your name is the truth warrior. And it seems that that's a, that's a path you've chosen uh, or chose you um, to kind of step on, on, on this, uh, this journey from the aspect and perspective of, of a, of a warrior. And one of my favorites, of course. Oh, there it is. Classic. Classic. Good man. Uh, very good man. Great book. And I know he's been a, a big uh, mentor for you in your life. Yes. So Dave, I'd like to open everything up for you to speak for a little bit because I've been talking for a little bit too long. Uh, I want to know who's Dave, how this all began, how did you end up? How did you end up where you are today? And um, you know, kind of help guide those that are new by showing them examples of how you um, came into the alternative and some of the stumbling blocks, some of the things that woke you up. Well, Mano, first of all, thanks for having me and congrats on the new podcast. Uh, we need as many people out there that care about truth, freedom, and justice as possible. And so the fact that you're doing this show speaks volume. So uh, glad to be here. And thanks to everybody that's watching for listening in. I'm going to warn everybody, um, I'm not an expert. I'm not somebody that has PhDs on my wall. I'm not somebody that um, you know is traditionally uh, educated or any of these kinds of things. I'm just somebody that is very curious about the many mysteries of life, about this world, about our reality. Uh, and I've been on a lifelong quest to try to answer some of my own questions that just kept coming up for me personally. And I've had a quite an interesting road and have ran into some very, very interesting people that have inspired me, changed my life, taught me incredible things. And I feel like now my work is to just sort of pay that forward because it's just it's been such a benefit to me. Um, it's got, it's been a guiding light in my life, this research and the martial arts and everything together. And, um, you know, I've been doing this research. I've always been somebody that's been a bit of a black sheep, you know, out there researching outside the box, um, had the questions. My hand was always the one that was up first. Um, I just, just had a cure. I have a, an insatiable curiosity and it all started as a passion as just, you know, I want to learn about, the history of the big questions of life. You know, who are we? Why are we here? Where are we going? How did the world get to be the way that it is? Um, you know, what's the di is do, do good and evil exist? How do they work in our lives? Uh, and then eventually it evolves into what's the what's the truth about religion, mythology, uh, ancient history. I mean, that was huge for me. Always fascinated with like Indiana Jones and X Files and all that stuff. And then also in the background, the martial arts thing and. Um, I'd been training martial arts since I was nine years old. Uh, I think I was inspired by just watching some little clips of Bruce Lee and watching Ninja Turtles and, you know, all that good stuff. And just kind of was like, well, I want to do that. There was something powerful about the martial arts. And I got to see a local presentation by some karate black belts at one of the uh, events in my local town when I was a kid. And I remember just looking at them and they didn't seem arrogant. They didn't, they weren't big people. They were just small people that were incredibly technical and powerful and graceful in their movements. And they performed these incredible things. And I was just like, wow, that is amazing. And it stuck with me and I wanted that. And I realized that what I was seeking was I wanted to, 
to better learn about myself. I wanted to learn about my strengths and weaknesses. I wanted to find that potential inside me and find a way to bring it out into the world. And martial arts just spoke to me. I was also, uh, you know, like a lot of kids, you go through when you're a little bit weird. I'm, I was a bit of an oddball as a kid, I guess. I know that Reading well. books all the time. And so you get bullied and whatnot. And I thought, you know, I better get some spine. I better learn how to knock somebody out if I'm going to keep having this kind of life. So um, eventually my parents finally let me go and start training. I had been training on my own. I just went to the library and was getting all these books and just trying to do my best to learn what I could. And eventually they're like, okay, he's going to hurt himself. So let's just put him in something. <laughs> and then my martial art career began. And I, I've trained in, you know, so many different styles. I've done it my whole life. It's a passion. Uh, eventually, you know, I've achieved many black belts and did lots of competing and lo lots of instructing and then opened up my own dojo. My wife and I opened that up together and we ran that dojo for probably about 12 years. Uh, we started in Toronto and then eventually migrated out West to Western Canada. And, um, and then that dojo got shut down at the beginning of the pandemic. So, uh, here I am and I, in the background of doing my martial art and fitness health career, I w I kept my research going and I kept. I would sneak off to these events where they would have all these speakers there and I would go try to meet and greet everybody. And then eventually I got together with a buddy of mine, uh, Chris from Toronto, and we did our own tour that we called the Modern Knowledge Tour, where we went across Canada. We traveled across uh, doing events and bringing speakers in to talk about various things and uh, just always been into this stuff. And I had many life-changing moments throughout the process of exploring these questions that we're going to get into today. Yep. And I got to the point where I said, okay, I've been reading all these books. I've been watching all these presentations. I grew up watching debates between uh, different intellectuals. And it reminded me of like watching like a UFC or a boxing match or something. Yes. You got these two prize fighters going at yep. it. And I felt like that was valuable to me because I just cared about what the truth was. Because of the martial art background and the research I did into the warrior philosophy, yep. I realized that in that philosophy, truth is the highest concern because it's life or death. If you're wrong and you believe a lie about yourself or about the situation you're in, you're dead. Uh, there's no room for bullshit. There's no room for writing everything on a whiteboard. It's all about you talk the talk, but can you walk the walk? Can you prove yep. yourself? And in that world, there's very little room for, for nonsense, even though there is still a lot of nonsense flying around <laughs> in that world. Um, it seems to be a place, at least in the original intention, where you could explore the truth I've always, I've often called the dojo like a scientific lab where everybody comes in from different backgrounds and they all think uh, about martial arts or whatever in a certain way, but then it's all about, okay, let's train it. Let's practice it. Let's test it. Let's see if what we're believing about this technique or this situation is true. Uh, mm -hmm. Are we, are our responses correct? So I, I just always had that, that, um, installed in me that if we're going to talk about any of these subjects, there's room for exploration there's room for theorizing. There's room for making mistakes. There's room for all these different things. But the end goal has to be the truth. Yes. It has to be. Because if it's not, then we're getting in our own way and we're going to end up not being able to see the forest from the trees. And there are, as we're seeing now, this isn't just an interesting study. This has now become extremely relevant in our lives. Yes. Where if our whole society is being led by the nose, and we're, or not the, but even just factions of society, if it starts to fall apart because we're believing lies or we're, we're operating off of, uh, poor belief systems, then the consequences of that are just, they're, they're obvious, they're blatant and they are, uh, they're, they're massive. The implications are massive. So this became 
it was started as a passion and it became an imperative. And, uh, so I started doing some shows back in the day. Uh, I, I started just kind of recording myself just like you're doing now yeah. doing video logs, or I would contact an author or a speaker that inspired me. And if they got back to me, I'd record a conversation and put it up on my YouTube channel. Uh, that channel has since been canceled as are many of my other channels. I'm so, um, so disappointed because I tried to <laughs> send someone that UN uh, documentary you had done a w- while back on, on oh. YouTube. And I'm like, where the fuck did it go? And I was like a couple of <laughs> weeks ago. I'm like, they took him down. Anyway, sorry, they did, on. man. Oh, yeah. No, like, I got nailed from uh, YouTube, Spotify, Facebook, Instagram. Yeah. Probably a bunch of other ones. Uh, but you can catch me now. I'm still on Twitter. I don't know why they didn't hit me there. They've definitely shadow banned me. I lost more than half my followers for some reason. Yeah. Uh, well, you can I, follow I was me on one of them. Oh, cool. Uh, you can follow me on TikTok. I'm there right now as long as I can be there. I'm on all the alternative platforms like Telegram, Gab, you know, et cetera. We can get Rock into that later. But, yes, but the dude, main point of, of where I came to was that I knew that we, we were dealing with a massive situation that I think a lot of people couldn't quite grasp because it took yes. me years to understand all this stuff, That's years. It. And I still, still trying to understand it. Like, I feel like the more I've learned, the more I don't know, the more yep. questions I'm given. And I think that's valuable. I think that scares a lot of people because yep. people like to walk around with the, with this belief that they know it all and everything's totally cool. And there's this illusion of security, you know what I yeah, mean? The illusion of security. And, um, and it, I guess in my world, from the warrior tradition, from the research tradition, there's no room for illusory feelings of security. You have to know yourself. You have to know for sure what's going that's on. That's key. Right? Yeah. So that, that, that's the basis of what I'm trying to do with my work is you don't have to buy into every theory I have or idea that I have or whatever, but I do present sourced research information that's in 100%. a careful, methodical presentation I bring on guests from different backgrounds that are not like I talk to just average Joes, but I also talk to highly esteemed intellectuals, experts on different fields. And it's an alternative perspective. And the reason it's valuable, even if people don't buy every little thing, is it's valuable to look outside of the box. I think everybody can agree. Like we don't have to agree on everything, but we should agree that if we want to have a free society, we should have the freedom to think. And if we're going to have the freedom to think and explore these questions, um, then we need the freedom to speak. And if we don't have the freedom to speak, yeah. then we don't have the freedom to critique and to challenge and to ask very important questions of those that hold the position of authority over the truth, rather than putting the truth as the authority, as Gerald Massey would say. And oh, so Massey. for me, a cr- being a critic, a true critic, I love these debunkers and Snopes.com, and they like to pretend they're the critique they're the ones that are critiquing society or they're the they're the uh the critical thinkers they're not critical at all real critical thinkers challenge the status quo they don't agree with the status quo automatically okay and so my job on my show is to say hey there's a diff there's many other ways to look at the world there's a lot of other brilliant brilliant highly intellectual and intelligent people that you've never even heard of before why is that wouldn't yes. you want to know, okay, what did Nikola Tesla say versus yep. what did Thomas Edison say? What did yep. Wilhelm Reich say versus this guy? What did, yep. uh, What is this philosopher over here? He's a stoic. Okay, what's he saying in terms of some other type of philosophy, right? I, and I it's the, it's the same that. in the martial art world. Like I want to yep. know what's the karate guy saying? What's the boxer saying? What's the jiu-jitsu guy saying? It's valuable to look at the whole package. I, I fully agree. Well put. And I really uh, adore your philosophy. It's, it's similar to mine and anyone else I respect. Um, I'm, I'm, it brings to mind 
the whole concept of what Jeet Kune Do was about. It was about mm. taking the good and expelling the bad, incorporating that into your ideology, your belief system, your philosophy, and then using that to go forth and do what you need to do. Um, but do it with, with knowing that if, if you talk shit, you're going to get you're going you're to get knocked out. You know what I mean? That's, yeah. a, that's a possibility. And at all times, you've got to be prepared for that. Um, and then you brought up a lot of good points about uh, oftentimes we'll take one thinker and then, uh, you know, put a put a, a spotlight on them. But then we'll ignore, like, you know, you'll have the Edison, you gave the Edison example versus Tesla. And oftentimes we put emphasis on Edison and we don't really realize the, the gifts Tesla has brought us. And then in, in the history of, of uh, alternative research, uh, it, it wasn't very popular at one point to be talking about tesla most people didn't even know who he was yeah, like i'm true. sure you remember those days uh, yeah. walter russell victor schauberger oh, um, yeah. they're, they're individuals that have changed that could have changed more of what we view as reality and i think you you, you nailed it right there by saying that uh it's got to be a an integrated approach where you we take many things and um honestly i, I think you've done a great job uh, with both podcasts and and you you it's an institution and I and I, I sell your podcast in that manner because you just go to the show notes and everything he said call him out like go click on the link and then check out the article he referenced I mean uh, the individuals you've you've um, you've interviewed are, are are immense I mean Richard Dolan's I remember that uh, video I'd seen years ago of you teaching him how to do the nunchucks do, do you remember that? <laughs> that was fun yeah and then yeah, and like richard fun. dolan's uh ralph uh ralph ellis uh uh g edward griffin um mm. um michael reckonwald uh that was a great interview uh, and you kind of yeah, cover uh, uh ben stewart uh matt presti talking about walter russell um but anyways uh to get back to you um could you kind of think back to when you first began this uh this journey um when you kind of realized, hey, shit may not be as they told me. Uh, was there like a, an incident, a, a piece of information, something that made you go, huh? And then kind of look into it. Uh, for example, for me, I remember um, grade eight economics, and then they were explaining to me the Federal Reserve. And at one point, it was kind of glossed over really quickly. I'm like, what? Federal Reserve, Reserve Act? They're, they're just making money out of what? Like, they're not basing it on anything? And that was like the first thing. Like, yeah. Years later, I get to Jekyll Island, uh, G. Edward Griffin, and I'm like, that's what this fucking shit, that's why they overlooked it. They didn't want me to ask any questions. So was yeah. there a moment like that for you? Yeah, that's a good one, man. And by the way, that, the things you've referenced there, I can tell you're very well read on this. So good for you, man. Um, so yeah, for me, it wasn't just one thing. It was a series of things. Um, I think it started for me, I, I had a deep interest when I was young into religion and mythology. Mm -hmm. And my first question, because my parents raised me in a very traditional Baptist upbringing. Okay. And I had a lot of questions because it was very much not necessarily from them, but from, you know, the churches we would go to, there was a lot of guilt, guilt ridden stuff, a lot of threatening of hellfire, damnation, a lot of stuff that just seemed contradictory to me. Yeah. And it, I don't know why everybody else around me was just totally in it. And I just, I'm like, what really? Like there was just too many questions that I had. And so I just kept that as a private inquiry because it actually started to torment me. And I spent the time then going, well, you know what? I want to see what other brands of Christianity are talking about. Cause there's, why are there so many different brands of the same religion that apparently is supposed to be sourced from one single 
so reference, right? Why is this so mm. splintered? Because, mm. you know, a church divided against itself isn't a church at all, is it? Mm-hmm. So I went and started going, well, what are these other Christians saying? And then I went, well, let's, let's zoom out a little bit more. And I'm going to go, I know a guy up the street who's a Buddhist. I'm going to go talk to that guy and ask him some of these questions. And then I knew a guy who was a Jewish rabbi. I'm going to talk to that guy. And then I went and I spent a lot of time just kind of going, I would ask these people different questions. Jehovah's Witnesses would show up at my door or some Mormons. I would open the door. I remember even being like 13 years old and being like, hey, I'll talk to you. I just have questions. I want to know where you guys are coming from. And I've just always had this curiosity to go, I want to know why people are so assured of their position, no matter where we go. We could talk to atheists. We could talk to, like in terms of the big questions of life, everybody's just as convinced that they're right and everybody else is wrong. So for me, that was the first thing was I'm like, okay, well, if, if we're all operating under the pretense on this world, that we're all right and everybody else is wrong. No wonder this world is plagued with war, right? No wonder we can't find peace on this planet is because we're divided by ideas. So someone has to be right and someone has to be wrong. Mm-hmm. And so that, that was my first waking up to, I think, the process of trying to figure out what the truth is and not just accepting what everybody out there was telling me. And then Bruce Lee changed my life because just some little writings that he had were all about, you know, like what you were saying, Take what is useful, get rid of what isn't useful, make something uniquely your own. Don't just follow the crowd, uh, be your own self, have your own belief, have your own connection to God, have your own style of martial arts. Something about that just, it gave me goosebumps. It even gives me goosebumps now. And so th- that was the premise. And then fast forward, I kept kind of doing all that research. I got really interested in like UFOlogy and some of those paranormal subjects, just always, I don't know what it was they're literally my favorite subjects. Like it's just so fascinating. Right. Um, and I know there's a lot of bullshit surrounding it, but there's also a lot of truth in there. There's a lot of stuff that's just, it's just mind blowing. So I was always collecting that stuff and it it was like a hobby. It was just like a hobby, a a vocation. And then, um, I met my wife who I met her when I was 19 and she was in political science and she was doing media studies. And it was such a good combination because I was coming from like martial arts, philosophy, deep thinking, UFOs, oh, what's, what the hell is this planet? And my wife was very to the ground like, hey, don't trust the media, Dave. They're probably lying to you. And maybe we should look at the political angle of things because that plays into all this, doesn't it? And she was the one kind of reminding me to, hey, keep your feet on the ground too. And um, and then 9-11 happened. That's and it. I I remember where I was. I was uh, working night shift, running cable networking through government buildings in Ottawa. We just, I was just, ha- just a night shift job, work with a bunch of contractors. How, how and they old were you? Shut- Sorry to interrupt you. Well, I was uh, 2001. So what was I, 20, 21? Okay. I'm 38 now. 22? I was 19. My <laughs> wife is doing the math for me. She, she's here for the math, okay? That's awesome. Um, and kudos 19, to her. Was- kudos to her. <laughs> He's saying kudos to you. Um, so yeah, I was like 19, 20 and this thing happens and I didn't catch on to it right away, but something felt weird and it felt weird for everybody because yep. they started locking all the government buildings down and we lost our work for like two months. Yep. And, um, and during that time I was looking for another job and still training at my local dojo and then started talking to people. And I think it was, I think it was her sister. I think it was my sister-in-law that sent us loose change. And she's like, ah, check yeah, this out. Loose change. And so I watched loose change. And then, sh- uh, I went, Oh my God. Like there's yeah. something, I didn't know if everything in the film was right or not. I just knew there was some pieces in there that were just 
Building seven. Building seven. Yeah, yeah. Building yeah. seven. Like, like <laughs> yeah, all yeah. the square. And I went, okay, at the very least, these are we gotta question this because yes. if they lied to us about the event, yeah, why would they lie to us? Right. Yeah. And um, so that became another driving question was if I could find even one lie, like bold faced, they know they're doing it lie, not a mistake, not a mi- just an actual lie. If I could find one lie in that story or any other story. Why would I trust anything else these people are telling me? Bravo. Like, right? Why would yeah, I just man. why would yeah, I just man. go along with and, and and at least and even if people are gonna say, well, maybe they have to lie for your own good or whatever stupid crap people tell themselves till they sleep at night, even I would say, well, um, you still you wouldn't trust them without a little bit of doubt, right? Like if I lied to you once and you exactly. went, that was a lie, you lied yep. to me, and that yep. there's implications of that lie. You would you would second guess the next thing I told you, and if I lied to you two times and then three times, you wouldn't even talk to me, right? Yep. So I find it interesting that I could show you over twenty thousand lies. Like I could show you, I've ha- I have a library of research you of do. sourced, documented, irrefutable, take it to court yep. lies yep. that your government and your media have told you mm-hmm. since nine eleven to now, and we could keep going in history, but that's just oh, a good yeah. time frame. Agreed. So then I go, all right, so something's up with nine eleven. They're lying to us about something. That means there's yep. something bigger going on. Yep. Then I find uh, Jordan Maxwell. Oh yeah, and I start watching his documentaries on the dollar bill and then mm-hmm. the whole thing. And what was interesting about the way he came across was he didn't just dismiss religion and Christianity and the Bible like so many other researchers had done. Because I kind of had a phase of being with all the like Richard Dawkins and the atheists. You know, Sam Harris's. Yep. Yeah, you go through it because you're kind of like, hey, I think they lied to me about religion. So I'm yep. going to go completely up opposite direction and throw it all in the trash and just walk away and go become an atheist. But then I started finding holes in that. Uh-huh. And I went, okay. So as I'm going through all this religious stuff, the 9-11 stuff's happening, all this stuff's happening. And then um, I find Jordan Maxwell and he was the kind of guy that went, no, no, you just need to know the keys of how to read the Bible. These right. priests have manipulated it. They're right. just, they're, they're giving you the ABC version, but the real elites, they know the truth about these books. And mm-hmm. it's not just the Bible. You got to look at all these ancient texts together. They're just mm-hmm. little fragments of a lost archive of knowledge that has been burned and sequestered from public view. Yeah. And I went, wow. And then Jordan Maxwell's work led me to Michael Desarian. Yeah. And that I still, I'm still recovering from that because what, he, what year was that? That would have been, Sorry, I only uh, laugh because I, I can feel this. I feel the same way. Yeah, because I was, I think Zeitgeist, the first Zeitgeist film came out in 2007. Yes. That's when I kind of got into Jordan Maxwell. And then it would have been like 2008. 2008 is when I watched Origins and Oracles. Because I, oh, yes. There was a little bit that Jordan Maxwell had said about Michael's work. I went, oh, I'll check that guy out. And then I saw a video of Michael talking about like Hollow Earth and and Atlantis and everything. And I went, oh, who's this guy? I wrote his, I remember taking a pen, writing his name down, looking it up. I found Origins of Oracles. I watched all 46 hours of that. And uh, I, I went, okay, so there's yeah. a lot of things that I have to now question. For me, and, it was uh, Esoteric Agenda. Sorry to interrupt you. I, oh, I remember, and that one, was that 2008, I, Ben Stewart? It, yeah, it was around the same time. I had, I had heard of Michael's work before that because I was looking into uh, the name Drumvalo. And somehow it popped up because okay. it was some sort of yeah. Irish connection. And right. then, uh, like, who's this maniac? Like he was just like the way he was talking. I was like, this guy's a maniac. And then yeah. I saw him uh, giving a couple of like, there's some clips in Esoteric Agenda. I'm like, I like how this guy talks and how he thinks. I was like, okay, maybe I should go revisit him. And then I'd be like, oh, it's that crazy Irish dude from, 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 
<laughs> and then I was like, wait a minute, this guy has a, yeah, he's got something to say. It makes sense. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt you there. Just cause. Oh no, that's good. That's too. good. Yeah. And that, that was kind of my impression too, was like, oh wow. You know, and see, because I came from the martial art world, yeah. I really resonated and understood Michael's like hard Irish, yes. get in your face, the yes. truth, you know, the zero tolerance for the lie. Don't take any, it's just that, that hardcore, he's like, if I could define him, he's like the heavy metal band of the alternative media. Like it's amazing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He's like the I heavy do. metal. Like, and, and, but I love that because it's like this hard, masculine, strong, you know, there's, we don't tolerate this shit. You know, why you guys wake up? You know, it's kind of like, yeah. I just kind of like that. A lot of people yeah. don't, but I love it. Me too. And he, he was a, and I, so I went into his work, started reading his books, um, started doing some interviews mm -hmm. and, uh, I ended up having to, I got an opportunity to host my first radio show on American freedom radio oh. where I had to host in place of Santos Bonacci. Cause he had, um, he had been going off to do some documentary at that time. And he just, I had had some emails with him and I guess he liked the conversations we had. So he was like, I need someone to cover. Are you free? And I'm like, he's like, I like your voice. Go ahead. And I'm like, okay. So I ended up uh, booking, I said, okay, if I'm going to go on the air, I've got to book some really good, good guests. Yeah. And I didn't know how it was going to work out, but I ended up scoring Carmen Bolter, Jim Mars, Ooh. Michael Tallinger, Michael Tessarian, Jordan Maxwell. Um, I also got uh, John Lear. I got uh, Richard I Dolan. I just got this lit, this A list of like the most Doctor Joseph Farrell. I just oh, got shit. this this A list of these of the top guys in the field at the time. Yeah. And they all agreed to come on the show. So literally, like every week, I was hosting this show. I had like a juggernaut coming in. And um, that's a anyways, I did the. Show. Oh, I was, and it was a, it was just, and I was sitting there just like a little kid in a candy yeah. store. You know, these are the people that I was learning from and reading their books. And, um, I'm glad I had that opportunity. Some of them have passed away since. So it's glad I got to talk to them. Um, and so that launched me. And, and then after Santos came back, I, the American freedom radio offered me my own show. And the, the guy's like, you got to name your show something. And I went, what about truth something like warrior code or warrior? And he's like, yeah, but you talk a lot about the truth. You got to put truth in there. And then, well, truth warrior. Yeah. And I thought, because I'm bringing, those are the two worlds that are making me, me. It's the pursuit of philosophy, the big questions, what the hell's going on in this world? So pursuing the truth. Mm -hmm. And then in order to pursue the truth, you need the spine of a warrior. So they bring in the martial arts stuff, the warrior ethos, the whole deal. Sorry to interrupt you I right went, there. Boom. There's the perfect uh, title and the rest is history. Sorry, I'm really sorry to interrupt you there, but I, I really like what you're saying. And I think that's something that's overlooked oftentimes when someone throws the word martial artist out there. I'm not a martial mm. artist myself, but I have practiced my own version of Jeet Do. So I'm just going to put that out there. Fitness has been always been a big part of my life. But mm. uh, the important thing about the word martial art is that the artist, don't forget the artist part of the martial art, because yeah. uh, I'm a musician and I, I'm obviously an artist, you know, playing with sounds and vibrations and words. But when I look at someone that is practicing martial arts from the perspective that you do, uh, you really see that it, it is a form of art it, it, and, and it's, it's a way of creation, yeah. right? There is a form of creation. And the, the reason why I really emphasize that whole concept in this interview with you, like bringing up your name is because it really identifies how you approach what you do as a listener of your podcasts. I see that uh, even when uh, there's sometimes oh, where you have disagreements with Michael and I like the way you handle it. Like, because you know he's a monster. You you you're tussling with a, with a m big mind. How do you do that? And then I'm like, how's Dave going to handle this? 
You know what I mean? And then, and then the way you do it, I'm like, okay, you could see he's, he's using Aikido in this situation. He's trying to, <laughs> trying to move him, right? Good. Yeah. And I really, sorry, so I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I think it's like an important part oh, that I good. wanted to emphasize because everybody has, um, I truly strongly believe, I mean, a big part of what, how I can relate to you, for me, truth, my, my wife, I drive her nuts with the concept of truth. What is it? What is it? Like physical, mental, and spiritual. It must be one. You have to, like all these components. And I start freaking out and it drives her nuts. But truth to me at all costs, at all yeah. costs, like at all costs. Uh, and, and it's a hard thing to, uh, to wrestle with because sometimes you think being aggressive about something is truth, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes you got to be soft. You got to know when yes. to bend. Right. So like wearing a mask, for example, to bring it into like today's world. Dude, there's days where I go in there. I'm like, fuck you. I'm not going to do it. And I give them my reason or I don't. And I just go and I do what I got to do. And I'm like, you're not going to tell me to wear that. But there's yeah. days where I'm, I'm a pussy. Like there's those days where I don't feel strong. And I'd be here a liar to tell you I go in every time without the mask. I wear it. Like there's a time where I have to bend and understand that right now, this is like the, 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 the ebb. It's like the bottom of it, of the, yeah. of the wave. That's right. Anyway, that's sorry right. to interrupt well, that's well, No, that's well said. I'm glad you brought that point up because um, the, the role of the artist in society is so, so incredibly important. Yep. Uh, and this is what they want to eliminate. And what a real artist is somebody that creates organically. That's what an artist is. An artist is not someone that just copies and pastes. Yep. Uh, you, can, you can remix, you can find inspiration, you can... Uh, go, hey, that's a good style. I'm going to try to take that. And what did, uh, what did Bruce Lee say? You know, look at that style, mm -hmm. take what's useful and make it uniquely your own. That's the mm -hmm. art part. Mm -hmm. And yes. then because it's dealing specifically with the martial component, the war, the warrior component, um, I think what I've tried to do is bring the next level of it to people where we're not just talking about how to defend yourself from a mugger or how to fend off of an invading army or something like that. As cool as that stuff is, um, there's the practical component to everything. But to me, it was about the deep artistic level of it where it's what Jung would have called shadow work, yeah. right? He yeah. talks about the shadow. Yeah. Um, Michael has often referenced this amazing statement where he's like, you know, all light casts a shadow. Mm -hmm. So the light yes. of your conscious mind casts a shadow of the subconscious mind. And so in order to be a holistic, integrated being, that is able to fully actualize their potential, you can't ignore the shadow. You can't repress it all and hope everything works out. You have to face your fears. You have to face your inhibitions. You have to become honest with yourself. Um, and when we deal in the world of psychology, they all think it's just about thinking your way out of things. Yes. Whereas in the warrior martial art world, the movements of learning how to defend yourself and escape grips and holds and somebody's grabbing and pushing and punching and this whole thing that's happening, it's a peaceful, it's, a, uh, it's not a, an angry environment. It's, a, it's an environment to temper you and train you how to use what we call the somatic intelligence. That's what uh, Wilhelm Reich would have okay, called it, the yeah. soma, right? The somatic yep. intelligence of the body yep. and realizing that there isn't really a big separation between mind and body and soul as everybody thinks, right. uh, the left brain likes to put things in little file folders. Yes. If you put everything together, you realize you think with your whole being. Yes. Uh, Gichin Funakashi, the founder of Shotokan Karate, he would have said, when you strike, strike with your spirit. Ooh, and like we go, that. what do you mean strike? Well, like my ghost, like Casper the ghost going to come out and strike you? Like what is a Mortal Kombat? He's like, no, everything, every part of yourself moves together. 
You don't yes. have your mind thinking, then your body reacting, then your fist clenching, then the it's perfect. And when you talk to athletes or people that work in those kind of fields, uh, they often talk about, you know, when I'm in the zone, I'm in the zone, everything's right. flowing perfectly. I don't even have to think anymore. Yeah. Well, in the samurai tradition, they call that mushin. It means no mind. And it's so right. funny because it's actually not the case because you are using mind, but they mean uh, don't obsess with the thinking of what you're doing because that will delay your reactions. That's it. It's about be be present, be yes. present, and strike at the right moment and be yourself and and bring that courage to that moment as and without any thought. It's just an actual the state of you being an organic movement is the most natural state of your expression, right? Mm -hmm. And when you're not in that zone you're hesitating, you're doubting yourself, you're overthinking things. And so that lesson, when I applied it to this spiritual process and this awakening process, it changed my world. And now I've been trying to integrate that, both those concepts, the, the warrior and the artist together. And the last thing I'll say about the warrior is think about the time we're in right now. Yep. There's an old saying that says, everybody hates a warrior until there's an enemy at the gates. That's right. Then they can't, they're looking around, where's all the alphas? Where's the guys that are, you know, but until then, they're like, oh, they're violent. We want all those toxic masculinity out of the society. And they're just like, well, wait a minute. Uh, what's happening right now in our world? Yep. We have enemies inside yep. our gates right yep. now. Our governments, our institutions are captured operations. They've been mm -hmm. infiltrated top to bottom by people that do not have your best interests in mind. The reason they did that was because there were no warriors at the gates. So there's a practical application on the individual level of, yeah, you should know how to defend yourself in this crazy world. Uh, you should also use it as a spiritual artistic practice where you can learn how to express yourself, gain confidence and fight the real battle, which is the enemy within your doubt, your fear, your disbelief and win that battle. But then there's also the societal impact of as a society, we need strong men and women to stand for truth, freedom and justice when everybody else cowers under their bed. 100%. And so think about the time we're in, my, my friend. Right now, we need the return of the warrior and we need the return of the warrior centered around the principle of truth. Well put, man. I, I, that's uh, an imperative, I think, right now. And, and that's something I struggle with how to like present this information with this podcast is at the same time, I do want to uh, help those just getting into the subject. But at the same time, James Corbett of the Corbett Report kind of put it really well yeah. once when he said, uh, it's kind of too late to catch up. You know what I mean? Like to do the yeah. research. I don't mean it's too late to do the research. Let me, let me, let me step back a second. Research is very important, but action right now is very, very important because yes. the enemy is at the door. You know what I mean? They are standing there and they're knocking. And like you said, it's internal. It's an internal enemy. The internal enemy both within from the psychological virus that's in our head. And I do want yeah. to start talking about a little bit of the, of the mind control stuff and, and sure. some yep. of the stuff that you talked about, the cult uh, cult, um, sorry, the uh, series you did on cults. And, and honestly, if anyone hasn't watched that, go watch that, please. I'll put that in the show notes and all that stuff. Oh, thank you, brother. Thank you. It, it's incredible because you cover a lot of ground and uh, you simplify it. And it's not an easy thing to simplify. Uh, and you did a great job. So anyways. Um, oh, I appreciate it. Yeah. And I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that lightly. And I, I, there's, um, sorry, I lost track of where I was. Oh, oh yeah, warrior and all that stuff. So uh, it's extremely important now because um, I was trying to understand, get in the head of the individual that's just walking into this 
now, today, that woke up last year or this year, whatever, and they're inundated with all this information. And we had the luxury of spending 10 years. Like, I mean, if you're introduced to a subject like, uh, I don't know, uh, um, David Bohm, you had the time to break down his work and really understand what he meant by the implicate universe or Krishnamurti. You had the time. You don't mm. have time now. I mean, it's important to read those, but at the same time, we have to do something or else uh, we lose. So I'm trying to juggle this and try to understand, get in the head of that individual that's just waking up and being bombarded with all this information. Like, did you know the Federal Reserve? Did you know, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's JFK had this speech about secret societies and then they keep yeah. going. And I'm like, okay, half of the people are like, dude, you used to talk about fluoride. Can you tell me about that? I used to think you were nuts. And now they're coming to you for advice. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't want to be like, dude, it's kind of too late. I don't like that. It's not too late, but, it, it, but without understanding what's happening, it's kind of hard to understand how to get out of it. Like we have to see the trap, I think, before we try to get out of the trap. And we're in a mass hypnosis right now. All of us, even us, like I think, we kind of are aware of it, people like you and I, but we, there's still aspects of it where I find myself psyops yeah. and, and And how do you show someone that? So I think for me, the way I've been approaching it is I've kind of been giving um, individuals, so I'm going to ask for your tips, some like just key little tips to kind of keep them on track. When I first started my journey, um, my story is similar, but when I first started it about, let's say about 20 years ago, uh, 9-11 definitely was a, a point where I was like, I got to start taking this a bit more seriously. But then a little bit further down, I started realizing this is a rabbit hole. There are a lot of traps here. There's a lot of new mm-hmm. age deception here. Um, there's a lot of like horseshittery. And, and there's always these mirrors where they flip what they really mean. Do you know what I mean? Like the elite, let's say, right? Even with the concept of Lucifer. I know I'm going to more advanced stuff. Sorry, guys. Uh, for those that are watching, what the fuck is he talking about? But to simplify it, I kept it simple. I had one axiom that I came up with. And it was uh, the right answer to the wrong question remains a wrong answer. Spend more time with the question. Because I constantly said, well, if I go down this rabbit hole, I might get lost. So, Mano, just remind yourself, what was the original reason? Like, what's the question? Refine your question. What are you really looking for? Mm-hmm. And that sometimes was, that helped me from going down some really weird um, stuff, like flat, like I didn't go down the flat earth path, but I, I could see someone getting lost that way, right? And be like, no, 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 come over here. That's, that's, a, that's a new age deception or the secret where like they're constantly throwing all these truths out there, but they mix it up because they left out key components within the, the, the ideology of the, of the secret. And that's like, you, you, you can fantasize all you fucking want on some vision board, but if you're not present for what's going on, if you're not accepting that there's some bad stuff there and you're not trying to like, you bypass it by saying, oh, I'm just going to think positive, mm-hmm. you're going to go down a tunnel of, like you say, you're going to get lost in the lie. Like the truth is some shit sucks. You got to accept it before you transmute it. You have to accept it and apply the physical, mental, and spiritual. So one of the tips that I had was that, that quote I said, uh, the right answer to the wrong question remains the wrong answer. Uh, and constantly thinking of things in terms of physical, mental, and spiritual and seeing like, how do, all, how do these three things become one? They are one. And I, I participate on all these three planes. Uh, and the other one was, um, and you guys did a great job about it, understanding the duality between like the Gnostic approach and the hermetic approach. And under like mm-hmm. the hermetic approach, like a more holistic version of like Taoism would fall under that category. All things are the all. Uh, the, even the devil is part of the all uh, of the good uh, versus the good versus evil concept that you find in asceticism where you're in a prison, like the physical form is prison. Are you kidding me? God speaks through our physical form and it's a prison. Like he would make, like, you know, that constantly divides like that division. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it takes away from the who you are. 
right? Like if we, if we view, if we, if we spend more time thinking about who are you, like who were you before you were born? Who will you be after you die? I, I wake up every morning and I, I, that's the first thing that I try to remind myself to, to ask. Like, what was that you before you were born? What will that you be after you die? And then at that point, I started to realize that this is the what I am. It's not the who. And if I keep my mind on the who, then I'm like, Dave, who's, who's Dave? Well, Dave's like another version of me. Do you know, and, and so I, I, I digress. I went off on a philosophical thing, oh, but I'm looking it, for tips. No, no, this is great. This is great. And I can tell you've definitely been tuning into Unslave too, which is good. Definitely. And uh, learning these things. And you've been at this a long time. And I know this is... So I've got some good news for people after, after this, okay? So here's the thing. Um, I was fortunate to get into the field of martial arts. And the reason I talk about it so much is because it's so relatable to what we're talking about. And the, what I'm saying is I used to be a white belt. I used to know jack shit about this. I used to be a bumbling, like a little baby deer without any balance, uh, no core strength, no understanding of any of this stuff. And people that would walk into my dojo and see me perform and do these techniques are like, how do you make it look so easy? And I'm like, trust me, I had to destroy myself and rebuild myself in order to make this look easy. It took decades. It took so much time to be able to get to this level of refinement. I didn't just have this given to me as some natural gift that didn't come naturally at all. The curiosity and the interest came, the motivation to do it came naturally, but the thing itself was not. And so I remember what it was like to be a white belt. And I've kept that mindset with me to the best of my ability throughout my entire training career. And then now I feel like that's given me the ability and be, be, I became an instructor and a sensei and then a wrenchy, which is like a, a next level where you're in charge of other senseis and you have to run grading panels and dojos and organize people. And so you get into a position of leadership where now you have to be able to translate what you're saying to people that are advanced, people that are intermediate, people mm -hmm. that are just walking in, no idea in the world, some five-year-old kid that's there learning, he just wants to play jujitsu and you have to be able to boil down very advanced concepts in very simple terms. Mm -hmm. So I'm not perfect at this, but I've done a lot of work on myself to be able to try to keep relating this in a basic way to people so that they can catch up as quickly as possible so that they don't have to do necessarily the 20 years of research that it takes to kind of get to this point. Um, as much as I would advise everybody to continue that path, uh, we are running out of time with this specific uh, situation that we're in. And so there are certain things, there are other things that you're going to explore your whole life with, right? But there are certain things I think we just need to boil down really, really quickly. And yes. one of those things is the question that's going to drive you through this research is the question you're probably thinking about right now. It's probably the question that has, I'm speaking here to the beginner. Okay. Uh, this is the question you're going to have in your mind. It's the question that probably prevented you from even considering some of these alternative perspectives of what's going on. Um, and that question is why would they do this to us? Yeah. Yep. Why would they lie to us? Yeah. Why would they commit genocide and then go to sleep the next night and not give a shit and keep yes. going back to work? Why would they like, basically you're asking the question about the nature of evil. And that's really what this is. And what I do is you basically approach this like a detective and you act as though you're trying to solve a murder mystery. And one of the best quotes comes from Sherlock Holmes, where he's actually boiling down something that the Greek called 
the ancient Greeks called the apophatic approach. And that's just a big fancy word for Sherlock Holmes when he said, in order to see the truth, you have to first see what's not true. Because if you can eliminate what's not true, you're only left with the truth. So it's a painstaking process. You have to eliminate what's not true in order to see the truth. And the reason for that is around every truth, in my experience, this is my opinion now, in every truth, it's surrounded by a big circus. It's surrounded by a lot of noise. It, like you were talking about the secret. You were talking about some of these things, even the new age movement, even religion, even the Bible, all these things have truths in them, yes. but they're surrounded by lies. Yes. Remember all light casts a shadow. There's yep. a shadow cast on every beam of light out there. Yep. And so the process that we have to do is try to go to ask that question and not, and be okay with the fact that you might not answer that question. And see, we don't like that. Humans don't like that. Like if, if you're having a question in your mind listening to this and I'm not able to answer it, that question is going to drive you nuts because you need resolution. Humans need resolution. Yep. Okay. Yep. But here's the thing. It's not so simple. And what I've found is I have my fear. I have my ideas as to why I think these elites or whoever is doing this. Mm -hmm. All right. The architects of control, et cetera. But it's almost not helpful for me to answer that for you with my answer to that. Yes. It's better that I just tell you the facts and go, here's the facts. And yep, they're doing this. And then you're going to go, but why? We have to establish motive, Dave. Yep. That's up to you now. It so is. take that question and let it wake you up every morning to continue the pursuit of truth because it will help you. And that's what motivates you. If I just answer it, I've taken away your motivation to research and you're just going to keep coming back to me for spoon feeding information. And that's not what I'm about. My goal is to make you even better than I am at this. My goal is to try to take all the stuff that I've learned in 20 years and boil it down into three minute videos or one hour podcasts or little documentaries or whatever to help stimulate the genius that's inside of each and every one of you. See, I love the quote from Walter Russell. I don't look at genius as associated with like some IQ measurement. Okay. Yep. I look at genius as something that's a potential that we could all experience as a way of being. Genius is just people that use their whole brain. That's it. Mm -hmm. They listen to their intuition and they use their whole brain. Um, and Walter Russell said, you know, mediocrity, mediocrity being those people that just kind of go along, get along. They need to be led like animals, like sheep. Mediocrity is self-inflicted mm -hmm. and genius is self-bestowed, meaning yes. you have a choice as to whether or not you're going to operate on the genius level and pursue the truth, find your courage and actualize your potential or to be completely helpless in this world where you need someone to rule over you. You need these authorities. You need someone to tell you what mask you have to wear and how many and how many f meters you need to stand away from other human beings and how many shots you're going to have to take on the new subscription model service of the new shot rollout that they're trying to do yep. and, and what hoops you have to jump through and what laws are coming into effect next week that you had no vote on and what, how much debt you, you need someone to tell you how to live your life. And I personally don't want to live like that. So the main pursuit we're looking for here is what is freedom? Mm -hmm. do humans even want it? Because freedom comes with a great deal of personal responsibility. Yep. And if we do want it, why is there so much opposition to freedom? Not just coming from some Illuminati roundtable, not just coming from your government or your health officials or the cops up the road, but it's coming from your friends and family, from your neighbors, from your society. 
And this is what drove Krishnamurti over the edge, I think, in the end. Yeah. Uh, not that he drove, it just, it drove him like crazy that he's like, this is so simple. I don't understand why people are resisting. I'm giving them the best news of their lives, that they can live free, happy, and healthy, and they're rejecting it, and they're fighting me on it. What the hell happened to us? And that's also the question that took Michael Tsarian, my colleague on Unslaved, it took him into the world of psychology and philosophy. Because when you go out there and you go, hey, guys, it's not all your fault that you're confused and that you're messed up and that you're depressed and that you're anxious all the time and that you're broke all the time and you're confused all the time. It's not just on you. There's a predator in our midst that is putting shit in our water, putting shit in our air, our food, our media. Uh, they're installing their puppet politicians to rule over us on behalf of them as managers, like the managers at McDonald's. So it's not all your fault. If we could wake up to our potential and stop voting for these people and realize the lie we're being sold, we could be free. This thing could be over in a second. And when you go out and put that message out there and people still go, no, it's debunked. No, you're crazy. No, I don't want to hear it. No, you're realizing, oh, the vast majority of people have been conditioned yes. to hate Yep. Wisdom yep. and freedom. Yep. And when you get into that level of things, now you're on the journey. So there's the starting point is you start to ask those questions and then you're going to let the natural force guide you. Because what I did, I didn't, I didn't have a crystal ball. I didn't have anybody spoon feed me. I had the question present in my mind all the time. And I kept that question, as you said, refined and crystal clear. And I kept asking it just out loud or in my mind. And then Lo and behold, synchronicity strikes. I run it's into people, thing. books are falling off the shelves at libraries. That happens. I'm getting phone, you know, you know what I mean? This so, one fell off the, sh the shelf, the Kabbalion, 12 yeah, years the, ago. It, it and, fell, literally oh, fell off the library angel, as, uh, as Carl Jung called it. The I library read, angel. I had read it like a couple like That's months a before that. And uh, Rupert Sheldrake had made a reference to something, uh, Carl Jung, and he said, he's, he referenced this library angel. And I looked it up and I was like, oh, he did say that. And then like, a couple of weeks later, I was asking all these questions and the Kabbalion falls off the shelf 12 no years way. ago, right when I was, anyways, sorry, I, I digress. Apologies. No, no, that's, that's not digress. That's good. And that's what I'm talking about. So that's how I kind of get into the bigger root problem and the root behind everything. Okay. Is, right. uh, we got to deal with that. But now when you get specific, okay, if I were to catch people up, I would say, if we start with, I mean, we could start at a lot of different places in history. We could start with the world wars being funded by the same people. We could start with a lot of different things, but let's just go from nine 11 till now. Okay. Mm -hmm. Just real quick. So interesting little connection. Nine 11 happened 19 years before COVID-19 apparently struck the world and led us to the biggest lockdown of freedom in human history. It's just okay? a coincidence, Dave. Just a coincidence, all <laughs> right? And you, this is the interesting thing. There's that old saying, you know, how many coincidences before yeah. it becomes mathematically impossible, right? 100%. Um, so if you think about that, you go, well, that's interesting. It doesn't prove anything, but it's interesting. Mm -hmm. And the next thing we go is, aside from getting into the specifics of 9-11, I would just suggest to people, just go start looking at Building 7 and, and some of the different anomalies around that and why the government was so reluctant to even do a 9-11 commission in the first place. It had mm -hmm. to be petitioned to be done. Why insurance, like seven out of the 11, uh, nine 11 commissioners later came out and said that their study was underfunded. Yep. It was lacking information. They were held back and that we should continue the investigation. Um, mm -hmm. and the world Stock just prices. moved on like nothing happened. Okay. Yep. Um, and so you go, okay, so something happened with nine 11, either it was exactly the way they said it was. And then the government 
used that event to start the war on terror, to do the, uh, what is it, the Homeland Security Front, to do the war and invasion in Afghanistan and Iraq, to do that whole, either they use the event to their advantage to accomplish what they were already working on accomplishing, Mm -hmm. or that event was planned and executed by the people that wanted to bring about the changes in the society uh, and bring America to its knees and and all that kind of stuff. Either way- Either way, we're in the same room when it yeah. comes to that event because here we are, right? Yeah. The new and Pearl Harbor finish, too. Yeah, Pearl Harbor. We could go into a lot of stuff. Sorry. But you go, okay, so from 9-11, 9-11 changed our economy. It changed our society. It changed the security level all over the place. It changed the way we look at media, our politicians. Um, it changed the geopolitical game, all kinds of stuff. And we're still not recovered from that. Then we fast forward, all these other little mini events happen in between. I don't want to take too much time here, but then here we are now, October, 2019. Think of that date, October, 2019. A bunch of organizations that I'll give you in a second here, get together with John Hopkins University and they actually do a practice run for everything that we're experiencing now. Mm-hmm. October 2019. When did the pandemic hit? When did we lock down? That was in March of 2020, right? The lockdowns. Yep. Yep. So I saw this happen and I was going back and forth to LA doing shooting for Unexplained. And I caught something. It was, this was in February. I caught mm-hmm. something and I came back and I probably had about five days of a pretty rough flu. I've had worse, to be honest with you, but mm-hmm. it was rough. I'm a healthy person. I take care of my health. I've never been to a doctor unless I got injured. And, um, you know, I live a very healthy lifestyle and I got, I got sick. And I remember how the symptoms that I had started to match what they were saying, you know, the cold symptoms, shortness of breath, all that. And when I had that feeling of shortness of breath, which I'd had before with a previous pneumonia or something. So you never know. Right. Um, my wife, we just got a steaming boiling hot water bowl and they put some, put some eucalyptus in it, put a towel over my head. I breathed that steam in for 15 minutes straight. I woke up the next morning, good as new, gone completely. I went, wow, that's pretty cool. So I just thought, oh, it's maybe I got the COVID thing they're talking about, or we just got a flu and I kicked it. My family got it. We're all over it within a couple of days. Um, and then everything starts to happen. All the lockdowns. Oh my God, the sky is falling. The most deadly pandemic to ever strike the earth, blah, blah, blah. But I never forgot about that. The event I was talking about in October, 2019 is called Event 201, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and when you go there and you realize, okay, who was involved in practicing what happens a few months later exactly? You have the Chinese Centers for Disease Control. You have the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. You have the John Hopkins University, which is just sort of running it. You have major media companies like MSNBC, CNN, et cetera, bringing in people to do mock newscasts in this Mm -hmm. mock exercise. You have, uh, I think, like six or seven of Obama's top officials coming into that meeting. You have uh, have, uh, guys from the Rockefeller Institute. (laughs) Always, always. Like all the top guys, okay, that you'd think would come in and and was sponsored by the World Bank, you know, the whole deal. And you just go, all right, there's something interesting happening here. You have Fauci coming out uh, while Trump is president. I think he said this in like 2018. He's like, it's guaranteed that Trump is going to have under his administration, he's going to have to deal with a deadly pandemic. And then here we are. Um, And so they're just, what I'm pointing out here, guys, is some of the anomalies 
that got me as a researcher that has already got this background and what these people are capable of. Um, and I see these things happening. I see the contradictions beginning right away. Mm-hmm. And I went, I have to dedicate time to research this. So I lost, I lost my dojo. It forced me to go online and start building my business online and really going all in on my podcast, which I've done. And I've not taken a penny from the government over this period of time, nor will I ever. Me too. And um, I put in full-time research hours into this, watching all the newscasts, watching the World Health Organization live streams, watching all the interviews, all the debates, uh, interviewing guests on my show. So if people want to see the work I did, I still have, I lost a lot of it when they canceled all my channels, but I have a bulk of it in these different playlists on my Rockfin channel. And there's one playlist I've been referring people to. It's called the Corona Chronicles. And uh, when you go through it, I've interviewed people like Del Bigtree, Dr. David Martin, Dr. Kerry Madej, Denny Rancourt, Rocco Galati, um, you know, so many great people in that little series. And then I kept doing my own presentations of the research I was doing live about what was going on. Now, fast forward, there's literally millions of people like us, Mano, around the world collecting this information together and sharing it amongst ourselves, whether it's publicly or privately. I've done both. And we've been amassing information um, that you could literally bring into a court of law to prove that this whole thing was a complete and total fraud. Okay. I'm not, I'm not saying 100% there was a virus, there wasn't a virus. Um, but what's really interesting is none of these governments in the world to this day, 18 months into this, have still not produced any material physical evidence of an isolated virus yep. or the actual reproducible science for the justification of these policies that they are implementing simultaneously all around the world. They haven't produced the evidence for it. They've just said that they have it. They've just said it's based on data, but we know a lot of things about that. So without getting too specific, what I was trying to highlight there was we have the general concept of what we're doing with this research. And mm-hmm. then we have the specific detailed analysis of the facts at hand. Okay. Yep. And a lot of people conflate those two things, but when you're pursuing these subjects, you need to have the deeper, big questions about it. And then you need to get into the specifics. All right. And, and that's how I look at it. And so this is the work I've been doing on my show. Uh, we've been um, bringing many other elements in on the unslave project as well. And, um, and unslaved is really, that's Michael's research. That's Michael's project. That is my sort of, I felt like I owed him because of all the information he gave me. I just, I'm like, we need to get you out there. And, and he wanted a platform to deliver his information and it's just been amazing. So I built that for him and I worked with him, partnered on that. And then I also have my own personal work, which is truth warrior. And I kind of separated it like that. Um, and I do that one publicly, but That's what we do. We're trying to get to the point where I can help fast forward your process, person who might be listening to this, so that you can understand these questions that I know you're going to have, because I had them, Mano, you had them. Our job is to try to distill that down into a really easy to understand overview with sources, with evidence. We have to be eloquent with the facts. We can't just be spouting a bunch of nonsense. And, and then also we do need to educate people on how it's okay to theorize. It's okay. Every, yes. everything out there, every discovery made started by people like even the Wright brothers with airplanes. It started by theorizing and thinking and then trial and error. And then eventually you get it right. We're up again. We're, this is a new field of research. Okay. 
Um, and we're up against all the big institutions, the big, big media, the universities, the, the most powerful people in the world. And so we're going to get things wrong from time to time. But the general theme is to me unshakable. And we've been getting more right now than ever. That's so I true. say anybody that's been in the conspiracy theorist camp, which are just people that think for themselves and don't just automatically trust the government and the media with their lives, yep. uh, they've been vindicated times 10 already because everything that I yep. was told yep. during my research by these people, by the G. Edward Griffins, by the Jordan Maxwell, by all these people, David Icke, all these guys, everything they were saying that was coming is here right now happening 100%. in front of our eyes. You, you and gave so, a, sorry, yeah, sorry that's where you. we're at. No, I'm really sorry to interrupt you because uh, no, I no. really like I like where you're going with this. But it, I think it's key to kind of even bring up something you brought up earlier about if someone lied to you. You said if someone mm. if you if you find a lie in the media, then it kind of like throws out it, it, it breaks trust, right? And I think that's something that people need to kind of start thinking about from the other perspective as well. You have all these the media, everything that they've said for the last year and a half. Forget about the, the stuff before that. Just within the first year and a half, you can kind of see that they constantly keep flip flopping their story, almost as if that's like a tactic used for brainwashing. We'll get into that in a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and they haven't been accurate about anything from two weeks to, to flatten the curve to uh, Neil Ferguson's bullshit, uh, two million Americans are going to die and now we got nothing. Nothing they said came to be true. But, but how many crazy whack jobs like us and a lot of the names you just mentioned have been saying things that did happen even within the year, forget about right. before that. So yeah. if, if you took the mainstream media's narrative and you made it a human and you made it your friend. Now, if this is like, you're with a group of people now, right? And then there's MSM guy, right? So mainstream media guy, let's say that's the narrative. We're building a character out of this, this, this architect, um, archetype, sorry. Uh, if this dude constantly comes in your circle and is always lying, always late, uh, says one thing and does another, would you trust them? No. But then you have uh, Sally next to you. And every time Sally says something crazy, all of a sudden, it turns out to be true. At what point do you start going, wait a minute, Sally's saying something crazy. Maybe I should ask her what she thinks because every other time I thought she was crazy, she turned out to be correct. She turned out to be okay. true. Like I'm reminded of David Icke's uh, interview last year. Uh, regardless of what people think of the man, the interview he did on London Real, the first one he did before like mm. everyone got locked down, he's talking about Carrie Mullis. He's talking about Event 201. He's talking about all these things that end up passports are coming and chips are coming. It's all bullshit. It's all a fucking lie. They're going to censor you this. What did he say in that interview that did not happen? Exactly. You know what I mean? And, and, and at what point do people just start going, wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. I got to start asking better questions. So, and then mm. the question I think you'll need to ask is Yuri Bezmanov. How do we get to the point where you hypnotize an entire nation and then the world how do you do that? And where did this idea come from? Like this concept, this, this, this technique, and then you get to the Tavistock Institute. Sorry, I'm going off because... Yeah, Marna, Marna, this is great, man. This is awesome. <laughs> I'm glad you have a podcast. People need to hear what you have to say. Um, so Yuri Bezmanov, per- perfect. Thanks for bringing it up. He said that there were four stages to how to take over a free society. And he's speaking from the perspective of being a high-ranking KGB defector. And he was actually brought to America and interviewed by G. Edward Griffin in like the 80s. Okay. Talk about a prophetic interview. If you watch that G. Edward Griffin interview with him, you look him in the eyes and you tell me that 
you're going to go back to trusting Anderson Cooper on CNN. Okay. So think about this. He said there were four stages that they laid out, they being the communist international that wanted to infiltrate all Western countries and destroy it from within, you know, them. He said, there's four stages of how we're going to do it. Number one, destabilization. So you destable things like this is 9-11. This is the economic distraction, the whole economic crisis, the whole you destable a civilization. You can destable it in a lot of different ways, but that's number one, destable, destabilize. Next one is demoralization. Demoralization, take all the wind out of their sails. Uh, Make them stop believing in themselves. Uh, Teach all the kids in school that their country is hateful and racist and it's built on evil, slavery, horrible injustice, and freedom is bad and and, and blah, 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 blah. And you don't know what gender you are. And that's how you demoralize a nation, right? You, you all, even you get the NFL, they're all kneeling at the national anthem. They're all, uh, you know, all this stuff. It's to demoralize the spirit of freedom in the people and also the belief in their country and in their own individual sovereignty. So you demoralize people. The next one is introduce a crisis. So you have to do the first two steps. Okay. You destabilize first. So these are like, if you're looking at as a military strategy, we'll we'll talk about some of that in a minute. I want to get into asymmetric warfare and how that works. But before that, think of it like this. If you're going to attack a, a nation and try to get in and take it over, you don't just go front in the front gates, especially if they're powerful, like America, like the West. You can't just go in the front gates. Um, you have to, you know, little ninja stealth attacks around the borders, around, you know, move inside, Trojan horse, get your agents inside the gates, get them working in the government, get them working in the institutions and whatnot, the Hollywoods and things like that. So that's the destabilization, demoralization, introduce a crisis like a false flag event or a real event. Doesn't really matter. There's something that's a crisis. Crisis creates fear and panic in the minds of the public. Okay. What Edward Bernays, the propagandist called the public mind. All right. You need to start catching on to the fact that psychologists at the highest level know how your brain works. They know how your psychology works. They know why you're afraid. They know how to create fear. They understand the process of hypnosis and how to actually blind your mind. They know this. They've studied it. They spent millions of dollars on it. And um, so if you're going to introduce a crisis, you're doing it for the reason of installing anxiety and fear and hysteria because they know that the people will go to the parent figure. This is where you get into Jung's anima animus, uh, in the mind and how we human beings project, uh, our childhood traumas onto our spouses, onto our world leaders. And so they know how to pull the rug and go, Hey, you know, especially those out out there that had a bad relationship with mom or dad. Um, they know that if they become the, uh, the, the imago, the, the leader in your life, uh, this is how these cult leaders work too, which we'll get to in a bit. Uh, they know how to become the parental figure in your mind and not your conscious mind, your subconscious mind, the shadow, the deep well that you have mostly no idea about. So that's how they do it. The crisis is there so that you go, oh my God, I'm scared. It's like when you were a kid and you couldn't fall asleep because you had a nightmare. And what do you do? You get up and you go run into mom and dad's bed. You go, I'm scared. I had a nightmare, right? Like my kids do. That's natural. That's normal. But eventually we mature and we become adults and we learn how to face our fears, right? Hopefully. So they, but they know that there's this dynamic in the mind. So if they create the nightmare, 
all the people who are like childlike in their thinking and couldn't face their fears and couldn't live on their own and need everything to guide their lives for them, uh, they're going to cry out for the new mom-dad figure, which is the government. They're going to cry out for them to save them from the nightmare. Make me feel better. Reassure me. Hug me. Give me some warm milk and pat my back. And that's what the government does. That's, what they, that's why they get the celebrities out there. Yep. That's why they get the music and the pop artists out there. Yep. It's, it, they get you to soothe you. That's why everybody's still wearing the mask, even though we know it doesn't do jack shit. And you're actually inhaling your own microbacteria, reinfecting yourself, and you're destroying your brain cells because you're inhaling your own CO2. It's retarded. Yep. It's the dumbest thing you've ever been asked to do, and oh. you're still doing it. Yeah. even though it hasn't done anything. And even though you're now getting these shots, these magic shots, uh, you're just getting them and you're still being told you got to wear this shit because this isn't about the virus. This is about the soothing effect that they're trying to have, which is, guys, there's a big scary monster virus out there. Mommy and daddy are going to take care of it. Just follow the rules. Be home by 9, 8, 9 p.m. Go to bed when we tell you. Eat what we tell you. Go where we don't open your business. It's too dangerous. Uh, wear the mask. It's the only way to protect those people you love. We got this. Do as you said. You'll line up over there. And though people are like in that in reptilian fight or flight brain, mm -hmm. that's music to people's ears. They don't care if it's true. They just want someone out there that's the yep. strong, yep. I know what I'm doing, or the soft, motherly, Bonnie Henry character. It's going to be like, it's okay, just wear the mask. And it's like, they need that because, and people now, I see them, I see them out there. Yep. They wear it not because of a virus. And I even know, they don't I think know. that. I they know. tell me to my face, oh, I, I wear it because it makes me feel oh, more comfortable. That makes me sick. Every time I hear that, I've heard that too. It's a soother. For adults is what it is. And then guess what people do? They project that fear onto their children. Yes. And now we open up the that can of worms where what's the fourth? So destabilization, demoralization, introduce a crisis, provide the solution to the crisis. Yeah. The and then you've got the takeover. Yeah. You've got, you've, you've, you've take over, you invade, yeah. you, you take the reins of power, you become very overt. So this is how the agenda goes. It starts stealthily. They deny it. They deny it. They lie to your face, then they deny it. Yep. Uh, a good thing to read that I recommend is to read Alexander Solzhenitsyn. Yes. Read anything he's yes. written. Yes. Get your yes. hands on the yes. man's work. Yes. Listen to his lectures. Yes. He said something very, very interesting in the Gulag Archipelago. He said, when he, he said how we burned in those camps later, and he meant how we burned inside, mm -hmm. how we burned mm -hmm. in those camps later, just thinking if we would have given any level of resistance before it got to this point, yeah. We wouldn't be here. And he said, but with the truth struck us, like it, it struck us over, which was that we didn't love freedom enough. You gave me goosebumps, dude. We didn't love freedom enough. Yeah. And that's from the man that survived the gulags of the Soviet Union, which the world still has yet to fully understand what went down. 100%. You know about Hitler. 100%. You don't know about the real heavyweight champions of the world. Not which is all. Mao Zedong and Adol and, and, and Stalin, Stalin. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, like you got to sit back and go, wow. Even that last talk step. about a prediction because all those steps, my friends, yeah. all of those steps have happened. We are in the fourth phase of this right now. So if you're just waking up now, yes, you might be a little bit late to the party, but you're more than welcome because we need all hands on deck at yes. this point. And then like that, that last step, the, the, when Yuri Bezmanov, drop that word normalization 
That's oh, like the that's final the one step. I missed it. Yep. Can you do and, that one? Go and ahead. That, it, it just, it drives me nuts when I heard him say that. And he even like uh, a good friend of mine who's works uh, behind the scenes on this, uh, Dave, he's Czech. And uh, the Yuri Bezmanov refers to that moment after the, the Soviets take over the Czech Republic and says, everything has been normalized. And you know, that concept, what? that concept is happening right now. The new fucking normal. They said it, the new they normal. They said yeah. the fucking Boom. word. As soon as I heard that, I was like, what? Yuri Bezmanov, bitch. Yuri Bezmanov, right? And then my, <laughs> I remember another the guy, one, Mano? You What's know that? another one? Is yeah. the Great Reset. Yes. The Great, where have I heard this shit before? <laughs> the Great Reset, which was announced oh. by the World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab oh. right in the middle of the pandemic, oddly I enough, know. where they said, guys, guys, listen, they said COVID was an opportunity. Yes. Like what, how is how is a pandemic where people are dying and losing their jobs an opportunity? It's an are you opportunity. kidding me? So it's an opportunity for what? A great reset. Yes. What? Oh, yes. Mao Zedong. Yes. Go look up. Go Google right now as I'm talking to you these words. The great leap forward. Yes. So go look at that shit. Actually, that ties. And compare notes with what they're proposing in Davos right now. I'm going to interrupt you just one second because I had uh, only two quote type things that I had prepared to like talk about if it came up and you just brought up one that kind of helps illustrate you i, I have a quote sure. sorry i'm mumbling i have a quote that <laughs> that backs up exactly what you just said and it also kind of helps helps tie in the why would they do this who are these fucking mm. people what you said earlier well uh we're all familiar with dave rockefeller you've mentioned rockefeller uh, and here's what he said after coming back from mao's china so now this is an individual, uh, David Rockefeller and the Rockefeller Foundation, who have a big part to, in everything that is your life in terms of institutions. They have had their hands in from education to, to oil to, 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 um, cult to of the medics. Exactly. Oh, that's one thing I want to talk to you about in the future. We'll, we'll, we'll get to yeah, that. Yeah. For yeah. Sure. Cause that's something I know very little about. But anyways, Rockefeller says after coming back from Mao's China, he goes, um, <clears throat> One is impressed immediately by the sense of national harmony. Whatever the price, whatever the price, that's disgusting. Whatever the price of the Chinese revolution, it, it has obviously succeeded in fostering high morale, moral, sorry, high moral and community purpose. I don't know about that. Uh, general uh, social and economic progress is no less impressive. The enormous advances of China have been have benefited greatly for the uh, singleness of the ideology of purpose. The social experiment in China under Chairman Mao, the leadership is one of the most important and successful in history. So he in this quote. Oh my! I've never heard that quote before. Nana, can you send that to me after 100%, the show? 100%. I'm going to credit you with finding it when I post it. That's brilliant. Hundred <laughs> percent. Not what he said is brilliant, but just that we catch them saying these things. Yeah. And I'll credit uh, the great uh, James Corbett. Um, oh, perfect. Also, perfect. also another another great resource for uh, all the newbies. But but yes. right there, he is literally telling you in 1973 that he agrees after 40 to 50 million. We don't even really know how many died. In the the in, in that in the yeah that's the how bad it was they lost count we don't even know that's like how how was that was. like that's disgusting and this motherfucker and I'm just gonna say it he's yeah. fucking applauding us like okay now these are the individuals that are running your life like I don't want to get into Cecil Rose and all the round tables maybe that's something we could talk about at another time but if you take the line and go all the way back they've been telling you from the day one they have not hidden anything. The concept of spelling is, anyways, I don't want to, I want to make this more about you well, than can about I, me. Well, can I, I can actually answer that. That's yes, actually something please. everybody's going to run into as a question. It's a question I had, everybody had, and you have to get into um, how these people think, okay? And these people, 
we can absolutely get very specific. You mentioned David Rockefeller, whatever. There's levels to this hierarchy. Okay, mm -hmm. if if you if you can name them publicly, they're still only at the manager level. They're not at the big board level, CEO level. Yep. But either way, they're still big players. So Rockefeller also had basically openly admitted in his memoirs, I think it's like page 405 or oh, something, yeah. Yeah. where he openly admits that they're working on a big worldwide conspiracy to yeah. build a world government run by unelected elites. That, that, that's literally what he admits to. And yet yeah. I'm the conspiracy theorist. But anyways. Um, well, he also even ends a quote in that same book where he says, if my, whatever, I, I'm paraphrasing something about how his family runs things. He goes, if, 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 if this is the conspiracy, then I am guilty. Like he, yeah, I'll, he said, I'll, I'll if this is the it. charge. Yeah, because he said, some people have characterized myself and my family as being part of an international yes. group of Piravalola taking over the world, creating a world government run by supranational elites. Uh, if that is the charge, I am guilty and I am proud of it. They're telling you, man. It's They're right there, you. written by his own hand, oh, signed God. by him. Okay. Um, so, and we could go endlessly. Uh, I've done shows on this. My, yes. Michael and I did a show on Truth Warrior. You can still get it on my Podbean account and my iTunes account. Um, and I think it might be on Rumble. I'm not sure. But it's, we called, there are two episodes we did called The Psychology of Conspiracy Deniers. And we did oh, that, that as that a, was as on a Truth flip. Warrior. Yeah, that was, was on, on Truth Warrior. Warrior. It was a yeah, public yeah, yeah. one. Yeah. And those are really good because um, what we did is we flipped the narrative that you'll usually see in these mainstream publications like Popular Mechanics and a bunch of these professors running around or whatever who think they're smart about this, who they'll characterize people such as myself and these other researchers who are very rational, well-researched, good people. They'll mm -hmm. characterize us as being absolutely crazy because yes. there's something wrong in our psychology that we just can't you know, we, we don't accept any level of authority or whatever they're trying to say. And we're like, no, no, let's, if you, thanks for bringing up the field of psychology, let's get into it, shall we? And let's see which one is the one in denial. And, um, we prove in those episodes that is the people that just scoff at you and these intellectual guys that don't really care about the truth. They're just wanting the, the accolades and the, and the book deals, um, in my opinion, that they are the ones that are in the a blind state of, of consciousness. 100%. Um, and so that's a good show. But the point I wanted to bring up here was something really important that I learned. So you have the political level, you have the banking level and the media level. And it's, I could make the case, and I usually do this for people that are new to this way of thinking. I make the case that these people are doing this for power, money, and control. Okay. They're just doing it for power and money. I could prove that, you know, Pfizer and all these companies, their stocks have skyrocketed, uh, you know, Amazon, Walmart, their stocks have skyrocketed while all of us have been losing our businesses. And, and so you could make the case, well, the reason they don't want you to know about HCQ and ivermectin or, or natural health is because they want to make a crap load of money, Bill Gates and all his cronies, they want to make all this money off the shot. You know, I could make that case for you. But then we have to get to the level of uh, understanding how sociopaths and psychopaths think, where they are out there to get whatever it is that they want, okay? And I'm going to get to how I don't even think it's about money in the end, but anyways, we'll get there. They, um, they don't care if there's collateral damage for what they're doing, okay? They clearly don't. They look at all the numbers and everything as Look at all the study. Uh, look at what they're telling you on the news. How many new cases over here and new cases over there? And there's the cases and the variants. And it's all computer models and numbers on a, on a screen. Mm -hmm. That's how these elites view what's happening. They don't meet and walk with people like you and me. Mm -hmm. they, they're running around in limousines and they have gold-plated toilet seats. They don't mm -hmm. think about normal human interactions. They look at us as like a cancer on the planet. Mm -hmm. They look at us as uh, the farm animals on the farm. 
mm-hmm. right? Remember Animal Farm by George Orwell? Yep. Might want to go check that one out again. Um, and uh, so when they look at, what if these people have a belief system? I'm going to ask in a form of a question just so that it's not declarative. Uh, what if these people have a belief system that is very similar to a religion? Okay. It might even be a religion. And for, so, cause look at it like this, Christianity still survived 2000 years. They're still around. Okay. With their beliefs, the Catholic church, the Vatican, it still has 386 orders and chivalric orders and Royal societies and secret societies surrounding Vatican city. Mm-hmm. They still exist. The Knights of Malta, the Knights Templar, the order of St. John, they all still exist. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't go anywhere with the passage of time. Uh, Islam still exists after mm-hmm. thousands of years of tearing its, itself apart from within and having all kinds of wars with the Western world. Uh, Judaism still exists. Uh, they feel that they're the oldest religion on the planet. They still exist. Um, I don't think that's the truth, by the way. Uh, you know, Buddhism still exists. So these ancient religions exist. And atheism is not nothing new. That's been a group that's been around for a long time as well, the Gnostics. Um, they come from a branch of Gnosticism, by the way. Um, and I like, so I like you that go, you threw that right. in there. Yeah, it's it. And I'd have to dissect that. A lot yeah. of people go, what? I thought they yeah. were believing in that. Yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll get there. Um, either way, forget that. Ancient religions still exist today. The Royal Society still exists. They still wear their crowns. Yeah. The priests at the Vatican, they still walk around in their medieval dress-like clothing, like yeah. they walked out of a time machine. The Knights Templar um, So the fact that these organizations still exist, w- those are just the public religions. Yeah. The public religions that have been approved by the real elites that gave you those religions, okay, and sponsored them and financed them and pitted them against each other mm-hmm. uh, for a battle for conquest for a long time. What if they have their own religion that they don't really talk to you about, but they show it to you through symbolism? And why would they do that? Mm -hmm. Why would they have this thing where they like to tell you what they're doing? Like you said, Mm -hmm. just think of all the movies we could get into that have shown us exactly what's happening right now. Predictive Uh, We call it predictive programming. (laughs) And on one sense, yeah, in one sense, you could look at it as this is part of the mind control operation where like a serial killer will tell you what he's about to do to you before he does it because he gets a kick out of it. There's that mm-hmm. level. Um, there's the marking of territory when it comes to placing symbols throughout all the media and all the car companies and all the oil companies. They put the ancient symbols all over the place. Um, but then there's the actual belief structure. And so what if these elites come from their own custom hidden religion and that religion has a particular prescription of how to achieve power. So the, re- the end goal of that religion is power on earth. That's the, so maybe you could look at every religion and go, well, one religion is about ascending to heaven when you die. Another religion is about loving thy neighbor. Another religion is about, I don't know, yoga and meditation. Their religion is about power. Okay. So if you're in the religion of power, or as I've called the cult of power or the cult of death and power, because to achieve that kind of power, a lot of death has to happen. Um, if you're in that cult, one of the prescriptions in order for them, because they do believe in karma, they come mm-hmm. from an ancient Egyptian Setian Atenist cult, by the way. I could actually get very specific. That's what they are. Uh, that's where masonry comes from, the whole deal. They all come from ancient Egypt. Yep. And it's, um, it's, they, their belief is that they are not able to break karmic law. So they have to find loopholes in order to achieve illegitimate power and control so that they believe they're permitted to lie to you, but as long as they also show you the truth. 
That way yep. there's like a little fine print clause that they've exactly. somehow uh, gotten away with, which is that, Hey, we didn't, we actually told you everything we were doing and exactly. you went along with it and you gave us your freedom and exactly. you fell for our lies. So therefore it's survival of the fittest, right? These right. people are also Darwinists and materialists. So, um, th they have an ancient religion that they believe in this ritual magic process where they show us the sheep as they like to think of us. They show us what they're going to do. And if we don't resist, then they get clearance. It's like, okay, did they resist? No. Okay. Green light. Go ahead. I'm just going to pause you. That's how they operate. Cause I know whether you believe in what they believe in, that's not what we're talking about. That's just what they believe. That's their basic operating principle. And we're dealing here with people with literally, we're not talking about rich people. We're talking about wealth beyond your wildest imaginations that goes back into ancient history and the wealth is not just gold and money. It's knowledge of human psychology. It's knowledge of building. This is the Masonic element of it. And not all Masons are bad and not all Masonry is bad, but there's a dark element to it. It was infiltrated in the 1600s, 1700s. Um, and the, the process of how to build civilization and what's the opposite of building? Destroying. That's so right. if they are in people, if this is a satanic, Luciferian, Setian type ideology, these people take good things and they invert them, yeah. right? Yeah. And they, they also don't seem to have a lot of creativity. So they kind of steal a lot of the good ideas and the good symbolism and the good vibes from the ancient uh, spiritual traditions that were there to uplift humankind and free humankind and teach them about God and the universe, right? And they co-opt those things and they twist them because they know we are led by those ideas and we're attracted to them. And they get a kick out of taking something good, inverting it, and then drawing us into their temple and recruiting us or doing away with us. And here's where we get into the cults. I'll just quickly give you this. So I did a series on, as you mentioned, cults of death and power. It was a raw uh, podcast where I just sort of mixed it on the spot live, um, very little pre-planning. I just sort of threw a bunch of notes at people and it went like each episode is three or four hours long. It was a rough, raw uh, uh, exploration, but I think I did a decent job. I'm now working on the next phase of that, which is a series called Cult of the Medics. And it's going to be dropping at the beginning of September. Um, okay. And it's going to be a 12-part minimum uh, mini documentary style series. So it's very watchable. It's entertaining. It's very educational. Each episode's short and sweet. But not to digress too much, the reason I brought the reason I had an interest in cults was as I started talking to people about, I think they're lying to you about the pandemic. I think they're lying to you about all this stuff. People kept asking that why question. Well, how could they do that? Who, who could do that? And I'm like, here's the number one mistake that naive people do, okay, is they actually project their own virtues yep. onto everybody else around them. Yep. So what I mean by that is your grandma, your grandpa, your good loving average people out there that are all lining up to get the shot, that are all wearing three masks and doing all this stuff. They're good people. They mean well. They think they're being virtuous. They deep down, they don't want to hurt anybody. They just want to do what they, you know, they want to go along. Um, but they're also incredibly naive because they don't understand what's really happening is that they're being used. That virtue in them has been used against them to help these very, very evil people achieve ungodly amounts of power over them. And they don't see it. Yeah. Um, so you go, all right, 
um, the cult level for me was I need to not just research these different cult leaders of all these different cults, you know, like Heaven's Gate and Jim Jones and all those cults you can think of or all the ancient ones. Um, I need to look into the followers because mm-hmm. if, mm-hmm. if these cult leaders didn't have any followers, they'd be out of business on day one, wouldn't they? If Jim Jones didn't have a thousand people to go follow him out to uh, Jonestown and drink a bunch of Kool-Aid and give Kool-Aid to their kids, uh, then he would have been out of business. But the fact that these very charismatic people know how to blind you with the light. Hear that song, Blinded by the Light, right? That's what they do. That's what that term Uh Illuminati really is. These people are illuminists and what they're, they're not into light. They talk about light. They talk about love and light. They talk about goodness and brotherhood and all that. But these people, they take the light and they put it right between your eyes and they blind you to everything else around. So that's how light works. I learned this again from Michael. He said, he broke this down and basically the idea is light can reveal, right? Because if it's dark outside, you get a flashlight, you can see, okay? But if I take that flashlight and shine it right in your eyes, now you can't see shit. Because you're blinded. It's too much light. It's yeah. right in your face. Yeah. So a l- light can reveal, but light can also conceal. 100%. So what these are, these are the concealers. Yeah. These are the hidden persuaders. The black right? and white checkerboard. The black and white checkerboard. The game of chess. Are you on the white, scares of, or white squares of knowledge or the black squares of ignorance, right? That's, mm-hmm. how they, that's how they think, okay? So they look at it as a game. And yeah, there you go. And when people understand, they they don't understand how this works. It works in what's called a compartmentalized structure, compartmentalized. So think of little like compartments and each compartment knows what it needs to do. It's like a unit, a cog in a wheel. It only knows what it needs to do. The people that run that little compartment, they don't know anything outside of their compartment. They run their compartment like good little sheep. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then there's another compartment that knows what it has to do. Then there's another compartment that knows his. By the time you get all these compartments together and you get up to the top, that's the board level. That's the high table, right? You know, in John Wick, they talked about the high table of the criminal mafias, the high table, the round tables, the seated uh, ills, the priesthood of the illies level. Okay. They're the top management and the people in each level of these different compartments only needs, only knows what they need to know. It's yep. run like the military. Yep. You only know what you need to know. And this is how this thing works. And actually, if you really think hard about this, that's how the mafia works. That's 100%. how criminal organizations work. Well, they that's were how many society. of these corporations work. Yeah. And yeah. that's how secret societies work. Yeah. And this is an ancient blueprint yeah. of how to do this. This isn't new. It didn't start in 9-11. didn't start with the pandemic. didn't start with JFK. It started in the ancient times about how to do this. Yep. And so what I'm saying here is that there are people that hold advanced knowledge about the mysteries of the universe, about mm-hmm. the mysteries of human consciousness, about the mysteries of how to build or destroy civilizations, about the minis- mysteries of finance, etc., etc., health, etc., etc. And that knowledge has not always been in the hands of good people. There That's have right. been many good people, right. even at the elite levels that have tried to fight against this. Those are the whistleblowers from the past. Those are the, you know, those people that came out. And even today, they're coming out from the medical establishment and blowing the whistle and, you know. Yep. But um, the, the real power is held by the black magicians, the dark magicians, the, the black nobility. These are the people that hold the purse strings. They run the banks. They run the media. And if they can run the media, they can control the public mind. And if they can control the public mind, they can control the land and the resources. And that's how this game is played.
So this is literally a battle for your soul, your, your inner son, your inner light, your inner truth and knowledge. They want to take that soul from you and recruit you to become a robot in their compartmentalized structure. Notice how at the same time that we're dealing with a pandemic and an economic crisis and election fraud and all these things, it's all the same time. We're also being introduced slowly but surely into a robot future, into what we call transhumanism, which is this dream, this wet dream that these elites have had, which is to take away the individual nature of the human being and the desire in each human being to pursue inter, uh, to, to pursue individual freedom, right? They want to make cogs in a wheel so that what David Rockefeller was commenting as a positive thing in, in Mao's China could be a system applied to the entire planet. Exactly. And that would only benefit this supranational elite and not us. So they want a two-tiered society instead of half. So they want only the districts like from the Hunger Games yep. and then the elites. That's it. And whereas before, right now, as flawed as it is and as corrupt as it is, okay, for many reasons, we had the middle class that would have been the majority of people that had at least enough food and enough, like they were taking care of themselves. Well, they need to destroy that middle class because they can't have any competition on the grand chessboard because they don't want geniuses. They don't want entrepreneurs going out there and becoming naturally successful organically. They want to be able to manage and control the entire farm. And if let they me, view this earth as a farm, second. they view themselves as the farmers. So I'll end it there. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't. I didn't mean to. Um, I just wanted to to add to some of the, what you were saying because you said so much there that was that was uh, that really hit home for a lot of people watching this. Like if if they're new to this information, going back to uh, to Lucifer, the con, the, the, the even the word. My background is Greek, uh, mm. and I've heard many people break it down this way, and um, including yourself and, and Michael. Uh, if you break down the word, it literally means luce from the Latin light and fere from the Greek word to bring. And then you see that with it, with, he's the bringer of light, right? And then too much of it, like, like you quoted Michael, will, will blind you. We're quote, quoting Bruce Springsteen, right? Uh, it, blinded by the light, but at the same time, it will shine within the corner of, of a dark room. But the really big thing here is, and I've heard many people say it, um, many mentors of mine, including Michael and yourself, is that this is a war on consciousness. And I truly believe that. Right. And if you yeah. really stop to look at what that really means, like, I almost felt that when I was a child, I know as odd as that means, like it was like, there was something weird about the concept of, of, uh, of um, just, just the way that they play with what identity is. It, it's constantly, they want you to focus on the what they constantly want to move your head and capture your attention and your focus. And that attention and focus is similar to the light, how they move your head as to where you look, what on your phone or whatever, what information you're getting, they're literally controlling where that light is shining. They are controlling you in by controlling your attention, your awareness, and your focus. And where attention goes, energy flows, right? Like you could take mm -hmm. these concepts and really apply it to this. What are they trying to do? They're trying to manufacture your narrative of reality by yes. imposing on your psyche their version of an illusion and if what you feel within you, believe what you, what, you, what, you, what you have in your mind and your heart and you see in your mind and you create in your mind, it'll become a physical uh, manifestation if you hold it in your mind, something as simple as writing a song or writing a podcast, right? You, you see it in your mind first and then you write it out and it based, it, it's based on your beliefs, which are based on your history. But what if I have control of that narrative of your history, 
the bullshit history that they give us? What if they have control of how they, where your focus and attention are by, by throwing porn at you, by throwing like fear mongering, by saying the physical is, is, is a prison. Now they're controlling where you pay attention. That attention flows in that area. And what are you going to do? You're going to manifest their bullshit narrative. And I'm using words that sometimes that someone will say, oh, that's, those are new age terms. No, 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 they're co-opted. If you go yeah. back in time and you realize what, what is being spoken of the inner light, the light within, the insight, you're, you're looking inward, it's sight inward. That inward understanding is what dictates how you view the world. It's your point of view. It's how you view everything that comes into your head, into your mind. It's, it's, it's where critical thinking begins. Now, if I co-opt the what you are, and make it all about identity to kind of break it down to what Dave was saying. Now I'm speaking to the viewers about transhumanism and the concepts of, uh, of sovereignty really is what, it, what we're talking about. They have a war on your consciousness and your sovereignty because one of the most powerful things you have on the physical plane is your signature. Because what does your signature represent? You can go, I can go to a bank right now. Well, I won't, but I could, and, and, and get a loan for a $500,000. What gives me that $500, $500,000? My signature. What do you hold me accountable to? My signature. What do I sign over to you the day I'm born and my parents go and get one of these motherfucking things? I signed over the who I am. On the bottom of your fucking uh, birth certificate, it says bank note in Ontario. Yeah. It says and that bank all capital note. letters with yes. the maritime admiralty law, dude. Like it's amazing to really put it all together to see how they've built this. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. And and when you're bringing up a great point, this idea of insight and inner light. I mean, yeah, all, all these religions and new age and it's co- it gets co opted. All yes. good things attract lice and predators, right? So just remember that it doesn't mean the whole thing is wrong. There's nothing, even symbols, like everybody's talking about symbols and these Illuminati pyramids and stuff. There's nothing evil about a pyramid. No, there's not even anything evil about a 13 step pyramid with a remove capstone and an eye that used to be the symbol of God Mm -hmm. of viewing the world. Right. But then they co-opt it and they use it as their sigil, their signature Mm -hmm. to invert that principle because the reason it's powerful is because they know the power that it has over your mind. Yes. Right. If we understand the nature of symbols um, and we get into, again, referencing Young, his book, Man and His Symbols, where he was talking about the yeah. idea that there's archetypes embedded in us, yeah. in our consciousness that have been developed over you know, eons of time. Right. And that in our filiogenetic uh, cell structure is the memory of our ancestors, like the, like the native tribes and the uh, aboriginal tribes believe. Right. And if there's something true to that, then there's certain things that these elites know that we're attracted to. Just yes, like we know that yes. moths are attracted to light or, or a flame or whatever. Um, it was actually interesting. I was camping recently with my family and we're sitting around the fire and I just couldn't help but notice all these moths dive bombing into the fl- fire. I was like, I watched like a mass genocide happen really? in front of me of all these suicidal <laughs> moths flying into the flame. And I went, wow, what a powerful metaphor for what's happening. But anyways, um, these guys know, they know uh, that we have this symbolic reservoir within us. Okay. This ancient memory, this like DNA memory of these symbols and that not just the symbols, but the concepts associated with them. Like why, why is the image of Jesus Christ 
uh, pictorialized as almost a feminine character with yes. long flowing yes. hair. Yes. And he yes. looks yes. like a white Caucasian yes. with blue eyes and a yes. nice little goatee and a blue sash and a white flowing robe. And he's got the hands. Where did that, because if there was a Jesus historically, that's not how he looked. Okay. We don't want to break it to you. So what, why is, but why is that symbol the one that everybody weeps in front of and bows before and falls on their hands and flips all over the place about, right? Yeah. It'd be the same with Buddha and all these symbols. There's a reason why those symbols are powerful for us. And it's not for the reasons we might first think it is. Um, and then what about these symbols of pyramids and Rams and, uh, you know, Dodge Ram and Chrysler and, yeah. um, you know, Walmart with the sun and, uh, you know, the, the, even the Republican Democrat logos and, the you know, just on and on we could go, uh, what's with all the ancient Babylonian and Egyptian symbolism encoded in say the Super Bowl halftime shows yeah. or the Olympic ceremony games? Like what are those rings? What yeah. are the rings of the yeah. Olympics? What is that? Is, is that the same one on the Audi cars? Yeah. Like, yeah, wh yeah. Wh where does that go to? Uh, why are all these symbols like uh, even uh, think about Subaru and some of these other yeah. companies? Why are they yeah. all astrological in yeah. nature? Why do they have to do with the astrology NASA. symbols? Right. Yeah. And, and how is that? Does that mean astrology is bad? No, it just means there's advanced knowledge and they know how to capture your subconscious mind. They also know about repetitive phrases, certain mm -hmm. ways that you speak, uh, flicker rates on television sets, the audio tones, the different uh, what hertz frequency yes. the music is set at that you're listening to. They know about, um, you know, so many little subtle things about how to create a hypnotic state in your mind so that what happened, what does hypnosis do to you? Yes. If you go under yes. hypnosis, what they're doing is it opens you up to suggestion. That's why when you're going under hypnosis, the first five minutes of them talking and counting and telling you to breathe is to soften up your defenses. And there's probably positive uses for hypnosis, but I'm talking about how they're using it as a weapon. Yep. They soften up your defenses of your conscious mind so that you are open to suggestion. Who would want to do that? Yep. It's even in the, re uh, the Greek root word of the word hypnosis, hypnosis. It means to be put asleep. Right. It's, it's, so yeah. give me one second. I have a document I want to pull out because of what you just said. Uh, sure. One sec. Sorry, I just can't find it. I'm not going to keep looking for it. Basically, what it is is uh, onto what Dave was just saying for the viewers out there that think that's a bunch of horseshit. You know what a good resource is? Go on the Freedom of Information Act off of the CIA's website. It's a, they're government documents and start punching things in the search engine. And you'll see that they've been researching these things themselves. The actual, uh, institutions that you look up to are actually looking into this. And one of the documents you may find is, um, I, I, uh, the name of it is, escapes me. Uh, shit, I wish I had it here. Oh, here it is. Or coincidentally enough, synchronicity is on, on my side. Uh, the documents, uh, the gateway exper uh, gateway exper their uh, experience, sorry, the gateway experience. And what it is, is a document where they uh, looked into a lot of meditation, uh, binaural beats, uh, transcendental meditation, remote viewing and all this stuff. And they have an, an actual document where um, someone was asked by the, the US military to uh, see if this stuff actually works. And you know what the conclusion is? It does actually work. Repetitive words, like Dave was saying, binaural beats, which is a frequency uh, beat in your, I'm, I don't want to get into it too much, but they themselves research these things and actually find ways on how to put you in a hypnagogic state. 
this is systematic. And think about what you're saying, Mano. For just people listening to this, okay? And I have a few more things to add to that. Is, um, again, if I could show you that your government has lied to you knowingly mm-hmm. even one time. Yes. Would you trust them again? And if we could keep repeating and showing, oh, they lied here. And I could prove it, like undeniable, okay? And it keeps happening. You're going to go, yeah, I, I, I should second guess what's hap- what they're telling me, okay? But now go, now plug into that equation that what you just said of the level of knowledge that they have yes. about what makes you tick, what buttons they need to push. <clears throat> Do you trust them with that level of knowledge? Fuck okay, because no. now put this into it. Think about something like Operation Mockingbird. Yeah. Okay. What's a mockingbird? It just keeps repeating the sound that it hears over and over again. And so funny that they named this program, which was about basically installing over 400 of their own CIA agents into major media companies Mm -hmm. and feeding them news stories and being a part of the entire media operation to inform or disinform the public. Uh, There was actual congressional hearing done where the CIA was forced to disclose at least a little bit of this project. And if you think they just shut it all down, (laughs) I've got an igloo in the Arctic to sell you. Uh, So you got Operation Mockingbird was a CIA program that enlisted more than 400 American journalists as well as journalists around the world to manipulate public opinion by spreading propaganda or what we call today fake news. Okay, it's been happening since before World War II. Um, There's all these different projects. I made a good note here of some of the different names of these projects that you can go look up. Uh, you got Project Artichoke, yeah. Project MK Ultra, which MK Ultra was actually the vast majority of it was done in Montreal, Canada and in Ottawa. I got it right What's here. This? That's, that's, yeah, that's what you're you talking go. about. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. There was another one called, uh, where was this one? I want to make sure I get the name right. It was a project where they actually infiltrated occult and satanic orders Oh. To glean the knowledge that they had about hypnosis. Oh, send me that, please. And I'll just, I'm just trying to find the or, name of yeah, that or one. Or the name, yeah. Uh, just if you give me a sec, we got. Oh, yeah, totally. Muppation Mockingbird. Yeah, I'll look up, up my notes. I did a presentation on this. And um, there's so many different examples of that. Oh, where, is that the one with Mark? Um, um, what's the, he wasn't, he was part of uh, LaVey's school and then he went off and he was a military. He has the, yes. the, the eyebrows up. The weird uh, hair pointy yeah, guy, whatever. Michael, yeah, Michael yeah, yeah. I, I say, uh, fuck. Totally. Okay. I, I know, I know who you're talking right. about. Sorry, everybody listening. Well, well <laughs> they cover him a little bit in the Out of Shadows documentary. That's when right. They get great into documentary. This. Great documentary. It is. Uh, oh, here it is. Here it is. Like, here it is. Allegro. Allegro. Okay. Michael Mel- Allegro. There it is. Okay. So we got a uh, secret project artichoke, which was about hypnosis operation MK often. So it's called operation oh. MK often. Okay. And it's about infiltration of mystical black magic, satanic groups using psychedelics, mystics, Satanists, occult, etc., to try to determine more information about it. Um, you have the psychic spy remote viewing program, which is uh, operation stargate. Okay. Yeah really interesting. And guys, the list just keeps going on. And then that's the CIA. Okay. And I've got a book. Do I have it here? There's a book I recommend everybody read. It's called, it's by Victor Marchetti called CIA and the cult of intelligence. Yes. And he had an interesting statement in there where he was basically saying there exists within the hierarchy of the CIA, a secret cult that has a particular, and I thought, wow, that's interesting. And lo and behold, I was doing this presentation and working on these notes and then I was watching, uh, I was watching a show, I'm trying to remember the name of the show. And this, it was a female character. She was a CIA operative and she 
was speaking about how she can't tell anybody about her job and there's certain protocols they have to take in the CIA. And she said the CIA in this show, it's on Netflix, I'll get to the name, but she said the CIA is like a holy order. Mm. You do not violate the rules. And she said that specifically in the show. It's like a holy order. Huh, and it's really? funny that in the shows, they'll leak little bits, right? Eh? Yeah. And when you get into the Jesuits, the history of the Jesuits, yes. uh, Dulles himself was trained by Jesuits. He, he gave, he said the CIA became what it was because we learned from the Jesuits. They're the most powerful intelligence agency on the earth. You know who else said that? Adolf Hitler. Ah, and yeah. he said, he, yeah. I've learned a great deal from the, the Society of Jesus, the Jesuits, blah, blah, blah. Um, so there's the Vatican connection. There's the Trirenium, the Triple Crown, the, the, the fact that the world is governed by essentially three city-states, Washington, D.C., which is the District of Columbia, which is not a part of the organic constitution or the yep. United States of America. That's the military branch of this, uh, this agenda. Yep. Uh, you have the Vatican City, which is called the Brain all right. And um, it is it is the second or it's the, I guess to be the chief. And then you have London City or the city, city of London, London. Yeah. in England, which I've actually been to physically. And it's you actually went in over. Oh, I actually I actually went into the city of London. I went on the train. You get off. And the it's queen can't even gig. go in. No, no, you get it. She can go in, but no, no, like I, a I was joking, I'm joking. There's a ritual they she have to, to have do. To, permission, yeah. It's like a, yeah, it's more just for show. <laughs> yeah, but I'm they, you go into, you get on the train in the UK, you get to the city of London stop, you get out, and this is the banking district, okay? Yeah. And all these city states I mentioned, DC, Vatican, London City, they're all cities within cities. They have their own laws, their own police, their own judicial system, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're all owned by the same people. And in there, there's over 300 of the world's biggest banks. The Bank of Rothschild is right there with all kinds of gargoyles and weird shit all over it. And then when you get off the stop, it's a Templar cross yeah. and a massive dragon. Yep. Okay. This gets into the serpent bloodlines, the whole ancient. The, the symbolism is very powerful. And it's not coincidence that the same symbols keep showing up all over the place when you're talking about these people. Because they are very much obsessed with this symbolic communication and the fact that they have to tell us through symbolism. And they believe if you're too stupid to see that we've been telling you this whole time, everything we're doing to you through the media, through Hollywood, through all these symbols, then you deserve what you get. That's how they think. Sorry to interrupt interrupt you there. The city of London, for those that are looking that up, this is an imperative uh, thing to look up the three three corporate cities. Um, In the, the Bank of England, uh, in the basement, which is in the city of London, uh, apparently there's a Mithraean uh, uh, site where it's built upon. W- w- right, right there, you kind of see a, a throwback to ancient religions and how that fits, fits into the occult. Um, They're very much into the cult of Mithras and those Roman yes. cults, the cult of Dionysus, Dionysus. that kind of shit, right? Yeah. And that's interesting. Like, So basically, put it all together. And another thing that I tell people to understand is that your government is in debt. The government that you think that yep. you're electing, yep. that's just yep. people like your next door neighbor. Uh, like you think, if you think Justin Trudeau is just like your next door neighbor, I don't know what to tell you. Castro's son, or, you know, but, um, <laughs> you know, these, these guys are selected puppets yes. by the people that own the debt of your country. Yes. Because think about how the hierarchy really works. If your government, which is supposed to be made up of people just like you, but we know it isn't, um, if your government means, is in debt, meaning your country is in debt, meaning you are in debt. Who are we all in debt to? Who are all the countries of the world in debt to? We're in debt to the people that 
print and own the money. This yeah. is what gets into that banking question that you had. It's so important to understand really Federal Reserve, yeah. Bank of International Settlements in Switzerland, yeah. um, et cetera. Like I can tell you in Canada, it was in 19, is between 1974 and 76, where Canada stopped printing its own money using the Bank of Canada. That's right. And under Pierre Elliott Trudeau, yep. we sold off our banking rights to the Bank of International Settlements in Switzerland. Well, you want to know who founded Switzerland? It's right on the flag, my friends. Yep. The Holy Order of the Templars, yep. the world's first international bankers of the world. Yes. And so you have two... So from if you look at the Vatican as the head of the Hydra, and they don't just run Christianity... That's mm. bullshit. They run all these religions, okay? These are arch Luciferians that run that place, all right? Yep. Um, they have two military orders that work with them, okay? And it's the Templars on one side, which I'm not talking physical knights here. The physical knights are a different story from what we call the clerics or the Cistercian monks that were the ones that were the keepers of the wealth of the Templars and of the hidden occult knowledge that they gleaned in the Middle East during their crusades. Um, and so you have the Templar faction, which is a modern, it's still a modern ancient cult today. And then you have the Hospitaller faction, which mm -hmm. was the holy knights of the Hospitallers who built hospitals and hostels, and they are the medics, okay? And these, this is where you're gonna get the history of the modern medical industrial complex, but you need to know how these things work. So history would tell you there was actually battles that happened between the Templars and the Hospitallers, and there was splits between the Catholic Church and the Protestant Church. And it's the, the all these divisions are surface level. Uh, what we're dealing with is on one day, these groups will fight each other like moth, mafias over turf. And another day, they'll shake hands in order to secure their own enterprise, right? Mm -hmm. So the Templars, are the they would be, that's where you get international banking, and that's where you get law. Mm -hmm. That's the law and the banking. So the legal system with the cult of Saturn and the black robes and the mm -hmm. whole thing, the three gavel hits and the three stairs with the judge with the black robes of Saturn. That's all ancient stuff that comes out of Babylon, Greece, Rome, Egypt. And um, that's the legal and financial side of the Vatican uh, operation. Then you have the hospital level and the hospitalers. They were actually from an ancient cult that became the Knights Hospitallers. They derived their whole lineage and their whole ideology from a cult that was more ancient than them in the medieval period. So they evolved into the Knights Hospitallers, were kind of turned into a, uh, a, a specific arm of the military wing of the Vatican. And then uh, later they morphed into what we now call the Knights of Malta because they had to move oh. to Malta. Oh, I thought and it was the so the Knights okay, of Malta, okay. yeah, the Knights of okay. Malta, uh, they are, they actually sit to this day, they yep. sit on the United Nations yep. as a nation of their own. Yep. The, the Knights of Malta are a country that that's how they're looked at. They sit on the United Nations. They sit well above. They're, they're like an advisory philanthropist, uh, peace, love, and light. We're just helping kids in Africa and providing, re and they do do a lot of good in the world because they're human resource managers on behalf of the real managers, the real farmers. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so when we talk about the David Rockefellers and we talk about the George Bushes and we talk about all these figures, even George Soros and Bill Gates, the world health organization with the ancient, uh, yep. serpent symbolism and the whole deal, uh, you need to understand that there's levels above that. 
So when we're here and we're like, oh my God, Bill Gates, he's this eugenicist that wants to kill everybody. He's not operating on his own. Are you kidding me? He belongs to an ideology. He belongs to a cult. Okay. And the real people that run, he might even be ignorant to a lot of what he's doing, but the real people at the top, that's who I'm interested in. Who finances it? Who creates it? Who perpetuates it? Who organizes it? How does this really work? Well, guys, all these questions that I'm sort of posing to you and all these subjects, this is the subject matter I'm going to be opening up with in my new series, Cult of the Medics, because I want to get into the Rockefeller medicine. I want to get into big pharma. I want to get into the pandemic and how this shit all happened because it didn't just start yesterday. But I don't want to just stop there. In this series, I'm going to go to the tippy top of that pyramid to find out who's really pulling the strings, or at least I'm going to give my best shot at it. And the good thing about this series is that this is something you can participate in. I'm not sitting there giving you all these authoritative declarative statements. I'm going to present all the notes that I've gathered, all the information that I have, and I'm going to be like a DJ and I'm going to remix these episodes to put this information together in a way that might help give greater perspective on how we got to this level of corruption that we're in right now. What's the real story with the depopulation stuff and the Georgia Guidestones? What's really about, what is that? Is all this stuff just something that happened after World War II with the Nazi Operation Paperclip, you know, bring all the scientists in and then they found all these medical institutions? Or did this start in the ancient past? Is there nothing new under the sun? And then I'm even going to blow everybody's mind with a bonus chapter, which is kind of one of those things that I'm telling people for this chapter, just keep this on the back burner as a possibility, as a exploration. And this is where I'm going to bring in the paranormal, uh, otherworldly element to all this and ask the question that uh, Charles Fort, the great Charles Fort asked. Uh, He was a, a, a paranormal researcher and investigator in like the... I think in late 1800s, 1900s. Charles Ford. And he, he made a statement and I, I kind of open up um, in my trailer for this series. I open up with a statement from him where he says, I think we're property. Yep. I think that someone owns this earth, all others warned off. And he goes into this whole explanation of the fact that he thinks we're living on a farm and that there are farmers and that we're managed like livestock on the farm for the purpose that we humans use farms for, which is to use animals for resources. Um, so what if we're not us average folk, us little guys aren't the top of the food chain. What if we are being, I'm not saying this is our destiny or our natural state. This is just what's happened to us, which is why we're here, which is that what if we're dealing with a human management team Mm, that either looks at itself as separate from the human family, just as a viewpoint, they just think, oh, we got better bloodlines. We're the intellectuals of the world. We're the most rich. We're the best. Or are we even dealing with humans at the end of the day? Is this really just human greedy bankers sitting around some round table? Or are they just the McDonald's managers for something that either doesn't perceive itself to be human or isn't itself human in the way we think of it. So that'll be kind of a bonus little, let's bring the paranormal question in here because I don't think all these things are just isolated things. I I think in the end, we got to start putting the big puzzle together. Are you going to be getting into some, uh, uh, a couple of names came to mind, but one was uh, John Coleman, Committee of 300, a lot of what you're saying there. And and as far as what you just finished off with, oh my God, now you open a whole new fucking thing, but I'm not going to try to go down that rabbit hole right now. uh, Yeah, let's save it. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you, Mano, I'm going to do, I just wanted to drop a hint. When I release these episodes, 
if you'll have me back, hundred percent, I can kind of help go yes. through some of those yes. little details yes, and uh, you can give me feedback when you get to see it. 100%. Um, I'm going to drop the trailer in 10 days. Yes. Um, I've worked really hard on this and I'll be editing like a madman. I'm, I'm doing it all. I've researched it, produced it, edited it, printing it out. I'm going to put it out for free. I'm just going to maybe put a little donation thing there if people feel they want to contribute. Yep. Um, but I'm putting this out for free. This is a project that I think the timing is going to be perfect because it really it's, it's going to get like the ep, the first episode we get into Dr. John Coleman, Committee of 300, the Club of Rome. Yeah. Um, and then we're going to keep unraveling it. And the, the type of notes that I have, this project has been the one project I've done that has intimidated the hell out of me. And I'll tell you why. It's so big. Yep. It's so massive. I have so many notes from brilliant, brilliant minds that the responsibility that I have to try to do justice to this is immense. So I'm just going to try to do my best job of doing this. And I have a feeling this will go big and this will be something that will be ongoing where I can even come back in the future and revise things and correct things as we learn more. And as I hear feedback from people that I know people are going to send me information that they have. And I want this to be collaborative. I, like I don't this. want this to just be me I saying like that I want to be like, guys, Let's like research this. this and figure it out together. I like We're this. so divided right now. Yes. I need help with this. So I'm going to give you my take and then I want to hear what you guys got and let's figure this out and let's crack this case and figure out what kind of what kind of cockroaches are scurrying around under our floorboards okay. that we just don't know we're there. We 100%. need to know they're there if we're going to purge it. You know what I mean? A hundred percent. Dave, I really want to thank you for doing this, man. Like, honestly, I, I could keep going for hours, but I know you got like, <laughs> you have a here, life, you fun. have a life, you know, you got to get out there and like live that life. Uh, thank but you. Honestly, brother, uh, you have no idea what this means to me uh, to have you as my very first guest. It, uh, it makes sense. It kind of, for me, it kind of brings a lot of things together. And I'm really happy that you're the first guest that I've had on this, uh, on this show. And oh, I'm honored. thank you, man. It was a blast. And you know what, Manuel, I just talking to you, I know, you're, you're a real deal. You're very sincere. You know a lot about this. Um, so thank you for uh, starting this podcast. We need as many people out there doing it. And if there's anything I can do to support you, let me know. Thank you, brother. And anytime you need any help as well, uh, whatever I could do, I might, even, I might even write you a song, man. <laughs> Dude, that'd be sick. I'd be honored. <laughs> uh, but uh, okay, tell everybody, because uh, I really want you your name out there as much as possible, Thank because uh, everything you've done up until now is not easy, uh, both on a personal level, and I'm sure the time that you've put into everything, it needs to be seen, it needs to be heard. And one thing I love about Dave uh, his, the truth warrior, the way of the truth warrior, as well as uh, the Un unslaved podcast is like, they put in so much time and you really know it when you look at those end notes, the, they, they break it down. They give you links, research, you, they really put it in your hands. You can do as much or as little as you want, because the names that they give you after every episode It'll, it'll just, it's just, it's an education, man. It's a fucking institution. And that's how I look at what you guys are doing. It can't be easy. Uh, and, no. uh, there are people out here it's that, worth that, it. that it hundred percent. And we all want to thank you as, as one of your listeners. I'm telling you, man. Oh, thank, thank you. For you. What you thank do, you. Dude. Means a lot. It, it, and, uh, if you're ever in Ontario or in Toronto and hopefully this shit kind of, we find a way out of this bullshit. I want to come out to BC. I want to, I want to see you in person one day, my friend. I'd love to, man. And hey, Toronto was my old stomping ground. So I've been watching closely. I got lots of family and friends there. So um, yeah, definitely going to happen and love to meet you someday as well. And just thank you for, thank you for giving me this platform and thanks to everybody for listening. Um, and Where can just they find everything you? I've said, go fact check me, get into it. 
learn about it, come to your own conclusions. I'm not here to be the authority. Let's just try to figure this out. Because for me, the goal is freedom, truth, and justice. And no matter what our opinions are about anything, truth wins in the end. 100%. I'm going to put in all your links and stuff on, on the bottom. I'm going to leave it right there. My yes, friend. I can. I'll send you my links just Please really do. quickly. The two websites yes. to find everything. It even links to all the social media platforms I'm on. I'm always DW Truth Warrior on my platforms. But if you go to dwtruthwarrior.com, that's where you can find my site. Um, I'm almost finished the Cult of the Medics website. That'll probably be up by the time this airs. So that would be at cultofthemedics.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, more information on that series as it comes out will be released there. And then uh, unslaved.com. It's the education of a lifetime. And I think it's one of the most advanced research-based podcasts that are out there. And yeah, I'm probably biased, but I'm sticking to that. (laughs) No, I can back that shit up. Do it. I'm really, I'm really (laughs) picky. I'm really picky when it comes to information. And that's what you should be. Like I'm an ass about it. Like I'll, I'll, yeah. Uh, Anyways, again, Dave, thank you so much for everything that you do. Uh, Make sure you send me those links. I'll make sure I get that word out there about uh, everything Dave. And I'll see you next time, my friend. Have a good one, brother. You as well.